Hello and welcome to Gaming Fix, episode 108 on this February 15th, 2020. I'm your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. your girl's favorite uh, award show. (laughs) Great. I had something, I lost it. Uh, I am joined today, speaking of losing things, I'm joined today by Alex Galinas. Uh, I lost the game? I don't know. Oh, God. Damn. Oh, no. Uh, also joining me, Pat Cotter. Hello. Also joining me, <laughs> Sam Harrison. Uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also does, joining us, does, little baby Todd uh, Howard. Does Todd Howard want to want to take my spot this week? He, Todd he, Howard he got wants some, to say hello too. He just heard that Jeff Keighley will not be at E three, and he is oh, beside hey. himself. That's okay. We'll be there in like an hour. Uh, also joining <laughs> us, Allison Saigon. Hi. Hello. I don't have a baby to say hello to. <clears throat> I'm baby. <laughs> Okay, fine. That's not okay. that often. It's what not if, that often we get a podcast title within the first like five minutes. Uh, I want you to know that that we say that I say I'm baby all the time. So I understood that, and it's funny. And I would have uh, laughed, but my microphone was muted. I don't know mm-hmm. what it's referencing. Okay, anyways, it's, it's don't. It's not. It's I'm baby. Um, I'm assuming this. Well, actually, speaking of podcast names that we get in the first five minutes, uh, we're just gonna jump right into it. The Herald and Modcast is back this week with the hottest <laughs> updates on Herald and Mod. Yeah. Allison, what have I, you learned? I, I actually watched Herald and Mod last night. It was pretty good. It was not bad. It was um, so, OK, so, you know, kind of a stereotypical kind of indie movie, like kind of a black comedy movie that uh, like, like, you know, I feel like this is a very prototypical movie for that kind of genre. It feels very like it's very. It feels very modern. I like. I feel like if this movie hadn't come out in the early seventies, that there would have been a uh, like that something with the same premise would have come out in the early two thousands, maybe. Uh, but it was it was it was solid. Uh, it at first, I was not sure that if there would be a, like a romantic relationship because uh, they. At first, I'm like, oh, is it just that they're like friends and they're bonding? But then it's like extremely a Martin clear McFly later. and Doc Brown situation. But then that is extremely later. That's that is extremely clear later on that they had sex. So you're like, all right. This is romantic, but it was extremely clear. Oh, well, I mean, they're, you know, do they show it? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Uh, Well, they, you know, they're, they're both in the same bed and clearly they're not wearing clothes. So you're like, ah, I see. It's just, it's the European way. (laughs) It's true. Uh, But it's actually, uh, but it was, it was a solid movie. Um, there are certain elements that I don't think have necessarily added, uh, uh, aged particularly well. Uh, 
basically the premise is that Harold himself is basically obsessed with death to the point where he fakes suicides a lot, uh, which is a little bit weird. And I don't know if that necessarily be like great nowadays, but it, uh, but then he meets a, a mod who is very like vivacious and very full of life. So it's kind of, Oh, he's young and he's obsessed with death where she's young and full of life and kind of, uh, and it's it's kind of like you know that that whole the kind of romantic the indie movie she, he learns to be more full of life because of her type thing but yeah and then she dies because she's old uh she she definitely she's di- that old she's she's she turns 80 and oh my she God, does what <laughs> yeah no she turns 80 in the movie uh and then she she does die spoilers oh Dang, I, okay, I didn't realize she was that old. Wow. Yeah, no, she's she's like eighty. She steals. You said she steals the cop's motorcycle in this movie. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's the fucking thing. I did. She, the whole thing is that she's she's that. The whole thing is that she's like a free spirit, and so you're like, okay, you know, she's like, she's like doing her own thing. Her house is elaborately weird. It's like you know, kind of quirky. But one of her like quirks is that she just steals cars all the time. Like, she, all the time, she's, like, driving a car, and it's like, I don't know whose car this is. And at one point, she uh, um, is in a car chase with, the mo- like, a cop who's on a motorcycle. And the cop is, is, like, distracted. So she and Harold steal the motorcycle. And I'm like... I did not expect that, that there would be as much car theft in Harold and Maude as there ended up being. Car theft and faked suicide? Oh, there is, like, elaborate fake suicides, too. So it sounds like uh, what the Hauser brothers need, or needed, if they wanted to make another GTA game, was to watch some Harold and Maude to get all their inspiration for the next game. they made The Warriors. They made... a classic film. They made Boys in the Hood. They made did, what, Scarface? I don't know. Was that one of them? Did basically, they make a Boys in the Hood game. I mean, yeah, San, Andreas San Andreas was like heavily oh, inspired. I guess, yeah, that's yeah. true. And not, Max, not it wasn't Boys in the Hood the game, but it was yeah, Max Payne. So, Max Payne so Three G- is basically uh, Man on Fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So GTA Six is basically going to be the two protagonists are a young man and an old woman, mm-hmm. and it's going to be an elaborate like. It's, Reference to Harold and Maude. It's going to be a lot more explicit, though. With with the oh woman? God, mm-hmm, with it's the a hot tea mod. <laughs> oh God! Oh wow! The hot tea mod. Get it? Uh-huh. Get it? I totally. I that was that. I totally meant that for the pun in the first place. <laughs> so, what I think I understand from this conversation this is a film yeah. that I'm not super familiar with. This isn't a Harold and Kumar sequel. No, it's a prequel. Yeah. yeah so how do you think that, that Harold was born? It's Harold Jr. Kumar? and Kumar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Or was it? Would it be Harold Senior? And then Harold Jr. would be the one from White yeah, Castle. Yeah, Harold Jr. and yeah. Kumar, and yeah, yeah. Harold, Harold and Kumar Jr. go to White Kumar. Castle. Not aged well. I, Funny I movie when it so. came out. Not aged well. Uh, I remember that movie is about the tiger. 
What about the Harold and Kumar Christmas movie or the Harold and Kumar Go to Guantanamo Bay movie? (laughs) Right. Uh, I forgot that they did that. Yeah. Now makes now that I'm remembering that. Yeah. That those were just offensive movies. Maybe it's not that it didn't age well and it was just bad at the time. (laughs) Uh, I remember they go to cross the street. There's no cars coming, and then they finally start to cross the street, and then a cop car comes up and it's like you were jaywalking. That's all I remember. That and riding the tiger. Uh, That's not a crime in the UK. You can just cross the road. You can just, just you can ride road. a tiger just anywhere. Yeah. You nobody actually. I, have, I think tigers tigers are illegal. I have jaywalked directly in front of police cars in numerous American cities. There's, it's not a. I mean, it, technically, it's not allowed. But I, I've definitely white. done that too. Where you're like. Generally, they probably have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> well, it's one of those crimes that, like, if you're a minority and you do that, and it's uh, a cop that right, is that's a racist thing. cop, then for sure. Or if they're it. down on their quota for the day, you know, Fair. whatever. But, but Pat and I are white, so we got that privilege. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. I don't know if I should laugh. <laughs> I know. Because you're right. Ru- it's, like- <laughs> it's just true. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a long year for Americans, folks. Uh, well, oh my god, uh, is it? <laughs> is it going to be a long year? Uh, we just begun. But oh yeah, I, I, I find it very funny that um, like, I was just thinking about what I was saying about Harold Bond, and I'm like, I, I, I was a film student. That was a very disjointed uh, review, but it's, it's, it, was, it was cute. So, you know. Would you recommend I thought it, it was in a 2020? TV show. Um, I don't know if I would recommend it to anybody on this cast. I, I'm trying to think of who... Who should watch this ever? Who should wa- no, I mean it's it's a good movie. Uh, I just don't know if it would be who would be the best person. It's like I don't know, like if you guys like like a Wes Anderson movie. I do. I love Wes Anderson movies. Then I might see. Like, I might Pat. You might want to watch it because I think mm. I wonder if some of the, the general vibe of it kind of in, inspired him. And I there is some. Like the cinematography is definitely not as Wes Anderson as as Wes Anderson, if that makes sense. But some Wes of it, An- I wonder if he it kind of was insp- inspired. Like it kind of gave me like Rushmore vibes at times. Mm. If that, yeah. Wes Anderson um, is is is, an, is is a director similar to the Coen Brothers in that they're like all extremely white and like maybe oh, well, yeah. could could stand to like work with more people of color in their day-to-day jobs. Uh, but for some reason, um, as an extremely white person, I tend to really enjoy Wes Anderson movies. As as an extremely white person, I also like Wes Anderson and I also like the Coen brothers. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. But I saw the grand Budapest hotel in like a art house theater in an extremely white part of Detroit. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good movie. I've been so yeah, if, 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 I think if you want to have like kind of you know a, a history of indie movies, then I I definitely give it a shot. But yeah, uh, all right. Anywho, well, I, that was I our Harold was and Bond chat. I thought it was a TV show for some reason, but no, what do like I know? A, the movie uh, it's like ninety minutes, so it's a brisk. Oh yeah, that's a brisk movie. It's like a sort of Game of Thrones. Just a little slightly longer, I guess. Anyway, I miss miss brisker movies like that. I was thinking about going to see 1917 today, which I looked at and was surprised that it's actually not three hours long. I assumed it was. That's like two. And I was really pleased. 
to see that. I don't so, think I'm going to go see it today because the weather sucks. But so uh, I will have another movie like review for. As well. mm. I will have another movie review for uh, next week because oh, yeah. I'm going to go see Sonic the Hedgehog on Monday, and uh, that is like, I think a pretty brisk movie. For I've heard very good things about it. Yeah, surprisingly, I've heard so. it's pretty fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. I saw I'm, someone say it's better than Detective Pikachu, and I cannot abide. I I, I don't know that. how that's true because Detective Pikachu was great. But it's a perfect movie. You know. It was snubbed at the Oscars. I, I this that, it was, that whole event is a joke. I can't believe it. Fire everybody involved. I heard Dr. Pikachu was pretty okay. It was good. It was very good. It was I a perfect it was, film. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but I I, did, I really enjoyed Detective Pikachu. But it's it's kind of amazing though that we've gone from for video game movies from it generally being like oh they're yeah they're all trash to having. Detective Pikachu and then Sonic the Hedgehog just all come out and be like, yeah, they're pretty good. I wonder if I think it's the people who came up playing those games and have like affinity for them getting more involved. And also Uwe Boll stopping making movies. Well, kind of to that effect. I wonder if part of it, too, is um, that Sonic and Detective Pikachu are kind of ostensibly family movies. Mm -hmm. And when a family movie is entertaining to people that are not children, they tend to get like pretty solid marks for that, which is deserved. Um, Whereas like if you tried to make Hitman again into a movie, it would get compared to John wick and it wouldn't be as good as John wick. So like it's like the, in some ways it almost seems like the bar is higher out well, of the gate for me. But if they, w- like if they, adult movies or whatever, if they captured, I haven't seen either Hitman movie, but if they captured the true mm. essence of Hitman, like the throwing cans of beans at people nope. and like if the end, you know, just the ridiculous costumes and stuff like that, if they captured that, that would, would be, be an amazing movie. movie. Then it would be the Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I, <laughs> I want to see Wes Anderson's Hitman. Oh, jeez, yeah. You should watch Grand Budapest Hotel. I've, That's I've kind of the plot Grand of that Budapest movie. Hotel. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well, I guess we can march on with the uh, movie talk, because Alex hasn't played any games either. Nope. Not for like a but solid have... two weeks. Yeah, yeah, the only game I've been playing is is one that I've talked about extensively, so I don't know how much I'm actually. Yeah, and I, I've talked about it too. So yeah, yeah, like I've I played a bit of Temtem, but you forgot Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying I forgot to put Birds of Prey on the list because I haven't been on the pod since I've seen it. Oh. Is it good? Good movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually would highly rate it for people who are sick of superhero movies. It's probably the one for you. I want to go um, see it. I just I, wasn't able to go this week. I'm seeing it on Monday as well. I'm seeing it on Tuesday, actually. I, I, might, I, 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 I probably won't see it Tuesday. I don't know. We'll see. Tuesday's the cheap movie night here. But it <laughs> should, is we, uh, should we save the chat for next weekend when all three of us have seen it? Yeah, sure. I can't. Then, <laughs> we can. I don't know that I'll actually get to it. <laughs> I'm hoping to. Um, but... But if Al, but if Alex is definitely going to go, then we can. Well, talk I mean, if you want to have, give your quick thoughts about it, then you know that's. I, that's I would cool. just say the action is really, really, really good. It's um, the stunt coordinator is the one from John Wick, um, and you can tell uh, mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes where, especially Harley, who is like 
the most kinetic character uh where i think there's like there's a scene where she throws a baseball bat at the ground it takes some guy out and then she catches it and like it's very like real not unrealistic obviously but like real looking and um like effortless uh it's super smart uh the action in and of itself the story's pretty good um it's just it's a bit deadpooly um but other than that yeah w- would highly recommend can't wait to see what you guys think of it next week they cool. changed the name to yeah, harley did. quinn yeah. and, and the birds of prey right it's Harley yeah. Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Yeah, really? I didn't. Well, see it's that. because it had the worst title in the history of film. No, it's yeah. an amazing title. Well, but more titles should be that long. Are dumb, they can't handle titles that long. I mean, no, like, but no one was calling it that. It was all just oh, Birds of Prey, not Birds yeah. of Prey, and the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn or whatever. So, it is. all week since I saw it, I've been saying to people like, "Oh yeah, I saw Harley Quinn." No, no, I saw Birds of Prey, and they're like, "What? what's that? And I'm like, the new Harley Quinn film. And they're like, oh, okay. So basically, everyone is calling it Harley Quinn anyway. They might as well. Nobody knows what a bird of prey is. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, Eagle. I'll see it when it goes to streaming, probably. But uh, I before Sam so rudely interrupted... I did throw to Alex to tell us about what he's been watching, reading, what, I don't know, what he's been doing. Yeah, I don't know. There's been a lot of stuff. Um, the, again, not games. Played a bit of Temtem, but I don't think we need to talk more about that because it's, it's Temtem and we've talked about it like three or four times at this point. Um, so yeah, been not very excited about any games in particular, so have been just watching a lot of movies and reading a lot of books. Uh, last week, we are actually... Did we talk about 1917 on the podcast yet? I think I wasn't nope. there that week. So I ended up seeing 1917. Thought it was a really interesting movie. Uh, I think the story was pretty terrible. Like you, the story is not what you're going to that movie for. Um, like you can watch the first five to 10 minutes and you'll probably be able to guess the rest of the movie and you'd be most of the way correct. So don't go in expecting to be like wowed by that, but I still recommend watching it quite a bit because like the cinematography is crazy good. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you guys aren't familiar with the movie, but it. What, do you want to know the main core mechanic of that movie? Well, it's Saving Private Ryan, isn't it? No. Well, in reverse. It's, it's one guy going to like deliver a message. It's yeah, right. Yeah, but it's the, in the trailer. But yeah, there, there's an actual, there's like a conceit to the movie. Yeah, yeah. like, like again, take. the story is fucking terrible. So don't even think about the story. <laughs> um, like the thing about it that's really cool is that the entire movie is a one shot. And I oh, said it. I take, said it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one way and the way they achieve it, like if you look at some behind the scenes kind of stuff, is actually really impressive. Um, yeah, especially yeah, with like the visual effects. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of CG. The, uh, hide the invisible cuts and everything. Yeah, invisible didn't cuts it, and didn't sorry. it? What one best visual effects was it? That movie? No, yeah, was it, it was. I don't think it was. It Whatever won, it was, beat uh, Avengers. So it, it was best cinematography for sure. I think it, wasn't it the Irishman that won best visual effects? Oh, maybe it was. Which was I also mean, very impressive, but I, I, I got to watch it. Oh, it's 1917. Oh, it was no, okay, okay. It was yeah, 1917. I thought it was. Okay, yeah, because I remember going like, "Holy shit!" It beat 
that's what made me want to go see it um and not just wait for it was I was like holy shit it beat avengers that's impressive because yeah there's endgame there's, had some incredible visuals yeah there's some there's multiple uh um videos on youtube that are people basically breaking down the visual effects uh nominees um and from what I understand, like on a visual effects standpoint, all of the nominees were genuinely impressive. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that there there is a lot that goes on into that 1917 that's kind of invisible, or that they wanted to make. Um, yeah, yeah, it's things like in one of the scenes where the camera gets really far ahead of the character, and that's because there's actually a vehicle that they're in, like a car. And mm-hmm. the visual effects, like there's hundreds of people running on screen. Those are all real people. There's explosions going off. There's those are for the most part real explosions. But like the visual effects were things like um, cutting multiple takes together and it looking a hundred percent seamless, and also like removing the tire tracks and removing the dirt right. from the car that's getting kicked up, and like it's stuff that's like, wait, how would you possibly do that and make it look like normal, especially with a camera that seems like kind of like a handheld camera style in a lot of times. Like it's really interesting. Uh, so yeah, like worth seeing that movie. Uh, definitely, despite it having a bad story, which says a lot for me because I usually love sto- like I go to movie for stories. But yeah, yeah I'm I want to go see it. Um, and you know that the cinematography is going to be great because uh, it's uh, Roger Deakins who is yeah. wonderful and deserves all the awards. Like, yeah, I, but war movies is one of are one of my favorite genres of movies. So I know I would enjoy it just from like you talk about it having a shitty story, and that's just kind of like war movies in general don't have the best story. Um, uh, so it's not surprising to me. I think like Dunkirk was an exception to that as the most recent good war movie that I watched. Um, but generally, like older war movies, it's not really about the story. It's more about the cinematography and the like visual effects and stuff. Yeah, I did see another war movie though that that was this past week, and that was one Jojo Rabbit. That's on my list probably to watch this weekend. Hopefully, I don't know when. Maybe tomorrow night. So, my friend who I saw it with, like we basically go to a weekly movie at this point, and uh, she was not particularly interested in it. And she was like, "Oh God, this sounds stupid. Uh, let's do we have to? Okay, fine. Let's go see it. Fine." But Taika, fine. though, yeah. And then we came Taika. away. We came away, and she was blown away. He's She's perfect. like, "Like she was like, this is maybe one of my favorite movies now." And I think it was really good uh, because it it portrays some real heavy shit, but while all while being lighthearted and kind of like from that like childlike perspective of. I don't know. I'm not sure what other movies I could kind of put that way, like Moonrise Kingdom or something, where like you're like, oh, this is like a, a child's imagination that's kind of going. You're following that, and like he has kind of an innocent view of the world and doesn't understand all of the implications of everything that's going on. Uh, so like you kind of get that perspective, but also it's just really well done. And when they they want to go away from, or when Taika wants to go away from comedy and into drama. Like they they do it really well. Uh, there's one scene in particular, Allison, I think, where they they made that transition like immediately, and it was really powerful. I think I know what you're talking about. But... It, it it um it involves some shoes. Yep. Yeah, that scene was extremely good. <laughs> uh, yep. 
But yeah, no, I I think that it's one of the things that I think uh, it does personally really well is that it is a giant like tightrope act. This movie because it's trying to make a movie, not only make a uh, movie about World War Two, which has been done before, not only trying to make a movie about uh, focusing on characters who are literally Nazis, which is rough, but then also make it funny and make you care about Jojo. But I feel like it all like I personally think it worked out really well. Like it's a giant like, how do you do it and keep it tasteful, but also not, you know, laughing at tragedy, but also keeping that uh, perspective of like the child like perspective. And I, I think it does it really well. Yeah. Like if you've ever seen the movie Life is Beautiful from the 90s, uh, the Italian movie, it has a lot in common with that. Um, I would say this one even executes on some of its ideas better than Life is Beautiful. And I think that yeah. movie is excellent. So Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. So if you like that, you'll I'm almost positive you would like this. I'm confident. I am of the opinion that that I don't I think uh pretty much every movie I have like a, a when it comes to um like movies and games and, and albums and stuff, I have a different definition of perfect than is probably the dictionary definition, but I'm kind of of the opinion that everything Taika makes is kind of perfect in its own way. Like it's from the perspective of like directing. It's always as good as that thing could be, you know, like he takes concepts as far as they could possibly go. Um, He's a legit genius. Yes. Uh, So I am positive that I will greatly enjoy that movie. Um, I had kind of been like, trying to find a time to watch it. And then, uh, cause initially my partner was like, eh, I don't want to watch that. Cause I don't want to watch like the, the, I don't want to watch him play Hitler. And then she surprised me recently and was like, actually, I think I do want to see that. Cause I think she heard some more stuff about it. So, um, I do want to watch oh, yeah. it and I'll probably it, put, try to put it, it on tomorrow night. It does not try to make you sympathize with Nazis in any way. Yeah. No, no and at all. <laughs> Taika, I mean, the only person that makes you sympathize really as, is, is like Jojo and the children that are being indoctrinated. Of course, which, yeah, yeah, which makes sense. That's kind of the point. <laughs> um, the the Taika pointed out that, like, and I happen to know this, um, but he pointed out that people probably would have been less critical uh, of him making that film if they knew that he was Jewish going into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because that's, like, where his desire to make that movie comes from, is the Jewish part of his heritage. So, um yeah. Also, uh, um, yeah. There's a series of scenes with Stephen Merchant in it that are just perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's he was perfectly cast in his role as a Gestapo he is officer. Extremely good. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. I have like I want to watch Ford versus Ferrari, which I heard is super boring, but I think I'll like it because I like race cars. It's extremely well. I heard it's good, but it's like dad movie. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like dad movies. Yeah, uh, I was just about to say war movies, car yeah, movies. Totally. I get it from my dad because my dad loves war movies and car movies. So I grew up watching those uh, kinds of things with him. What if, what if uh, Taika Waititi made one of the next Fast and the Furious movies? Oh my God. Damn, oh my God. I'd be down for that. Speaking of perfect, um, I want to watch <laughs> The Irishman. I want to watch Jojo Rabbit. I'll probably watch Joker at some point just because I'm curious. Yes. Yeah, uh, I want to watch um, 1917. I finally watched Parasite this week. So, yeah. I'm not too Which, interested in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood nope, or Marriage same. Story. Uh, um, I could see the Marriage Story. I like I like uh, Adam Driver. 
I'm sure it's good. I, yeah, I really want to see Marriage Story. I watched. I want to see I Marriage Story, it. and also, uh, I've come away from this award season basically being in love with Greta Gerwig, and mm. uh, she's uh, partners with uh, Noah Baumbach, who made Marriage Story. So I'm sure Marriage Story is good. I have seen divorce happen in real time, and definitely don't need to watch a movie about it. So <laughs> that's kind of more where I come from. Yeah, it's reasonable. like it's subject no, matter that I'm just not that's legit. particularly that's, interested in. That's kind of why I've taken so long to not watch, to wait on watching it. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm in the right mind space for it. Yeah, totally. Um, but, but largely I would probably watch little woman at some point too. I it's feel like very good. I know uh, it's really good and it's not a, it's not a, a knock against it as no, it's just I, a story I that it's, I've read the book multiple times yeah. and seen like multiple movies about it. So it's one of those like, uh, it's, doesn't call to me in the way that a lot of the other ones do. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's but good. I respect it a lot. I, respect it times, I would say it does interesting things with the content. It's not just like, that's I, good I, to know. Yeah. And, and the, um, the way that it's, the story's put together is, is unique to it. So that's yeah. cool. And I, I, I saw it and I thought it was good and I appreciated it, but I didn't like it. So I don't know if that says, anything. I like Saoirse Ronan a lot. So yeah, she's um, awesome. And she's amazing in it. Yeah. But speaking of award seasons, uh, this all culminated with watching the Oscars, which I wasn't expecting to do because I never watched them because they're so boring. Uh, but Allison was watching it and we kept chatting in our chat about it. And she was like, oh, this thing is happening and this thing is happening. I was like, okay, fine. I'll put it on. And it ended up being a really good show. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like surprisingly so. I, yeah, I was, I was, I, yeah, I thought it was genuinely a pretty solid, solid show. I definitely um, got had gotten to the point where, like, after uh, the like moonlight moonlight mistake, uh, and then after Green Book and all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Fuck this! I'm not giving them my eyeballs. This show sucks. And but it's it's been bad forever. No, but like specific bad. Oh yeah, I mean they Um, they yeah. But but it seems like this year they they really did do a pretty good job in terms of like the, 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 the movies that won and the show itself. So, yeah, uh, I, cool. I am so mad though. Cause uh, for the moonlight thing, I actually went and saw that, uh, that particular Oscars, I was watching it at a restaurant, like at the bar and they had the Oscars on. And so I sat and watched it, but I was getting tired and I was feeling a little bit like not great. So I decided to leave before the best picture because I'm like, oh, what could in, what I it's not going to be interesting now. Like what more could happen? And then I missed that. And so I'm <laughs> yeah. forever mad. Yeah. yeah, I just remember I was watching that one live and I was like so livid that they screwed that up. It's like, <laughs> Seems like yeah. if there's anything to screw up, that's not the one you want. Um, yeah, but yeah. Regardless, this year's Oscars were interesting. Um, I think there were some things about it I didn't like. Like, uh, I thought that they they spent more time making fun of themselves and the fact that there weren't that many black nominees more than actually doing anything about it. Which was oh kind yeah, of, yeah. No, that's, that's was, their whole thing. Yeah, that's it was, the that was like liberalism, but it was like kind of off putting at some points. Oh yeah. Well, like, you kind of wonder very, yeah. to what extent to like. Like it's it's sometimes hard to tell too if it's uh like the presenters kind of 
or the people who are um they're uh actually saying okay i'm mad about this or if it's the people who wrote who are writing for the oscars being like oh we have to show that we get it but we're still not going to nominate people i yeah. don't know like yeah it seemed like they were trying to make you laugh it off as an audience being like oh haha yeah we know but these were really the best nominees uh, or something but it just came across as really like disingenuous but although also making like jokes about the vfx like people for cats yeah. when all those people got laid off after that movie was released. Yeah. And like yeah. that studio shut down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit, there, there was some, also cats is a perfect movie. So I don't know why, what they're making fun of. It's the perfect movie that made about 25% of its budget. Perfect movie. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, it'll make it, it'll make it up in, uh, cult movie screenings. I'm seeing a midnight screening of cats in, a few weeks. And so. none of the people that worked on it will receive any kind of no. money no. for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but is this Sound- Sondheim? Who who made Cats? I don't even know. Angel Lee Weber. Okay. <laughs> I want to <laughs> see Sondheim's Cats. Oh my god. That would be amazing to see Stephen Sondheim make Cats. I want to see David Cronenberg's Cats. Oh my god, yes. That would be amazing. Or David Lynch. But anyways, um, yeah. Yeah, but like, and like the that's like the minor like problems I kind of had with the show, and I think the rest of it was really good, except for the M M&M and M thing, which made no sense. But apart from that, it was <laughs> that was so that was so weird because you're just like you're like wait M M&M didn't do any of the uh, original songs for this year? No. Oh, oh. Well, M- it was like even the, before the, that. The person M M&M. and I thought you meant the candy. No, the person. The, right, right. He he showed up after like his I love eighteen that you year that hiatus. Was like, was yeah. like, why? What is candy? Yeah, those, right. Those CGI M M&M and M's showed up on stage. But I also yeah. lo- love that like he <laughs> he didn't come to accept his award for Eight Mile like seventeen years ago or yeah. however long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Because it was like establishment and he was like not going to sell out and go to the awards and stuff. And then like in he those didn't 17, think he was going to win. I read a I read an interview. Oh, I thought like, it was because I thought I didn't think it was. Yeah, because of I that. think he was at home no. with his daughter or something. He, he was just at home. He was asleep when the award show happened. He was I thought for daughter. sure that it, I thought uh, it was because he was like because he always wrote, he used to rap about how like, yeah, he's not going to go I, to the th- Grammys because yeah. he's not going to be around all those fucking people. Yeah, I, I like but it was it, like he didn't think he was going to win. So he like didn't bother to show up is like a big part of it it seems like he was like excited to win according to this interview he did mm. but that I was do, also a very different time in his life so who knows i do think it's funny that in the 17 years since he's now like in a place where he can show up for the oscars but he still can't write a rap without saying homophobic slurs and like talking about oh, yeah. beating up women yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like although, that- <laughs> although the, the one thing that it that the one good thing that came from that performance is uh there are some reaction pictures and they are great. Like Adina Menzel is like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. It's and I mean, that's a great song. I like that song. No, that's a good song. Sure. But, but it's just, it's so wild to me that like, mm-hmm. they would even have him at they, the thing. Apparently they weird, were going like, to have, they were like looking at getting people like someone else to perform it. Cause they asked him to perform like back at when he was nominated and they were like, oh, who can we get? And like, oh, maybe we can get like 50 Cent to perform or something. Oh my God. Perform Lose Yourself. That'd be weird. Uh, but yeah, because yeah, like a lot at that time, they weren't, usually it wasn't like the person performing their own song. It was like someone else. But yeah. But anyways, um, 
to wrap up the Oscar thoughts, I think it's they made a lot of right choices with the winners this year, which is more than you can say for years prior. Um, yeah, and which? yeah, like um, obviously at this point, probably everyone in the world knows how Parasite won tons uh, of awards. I've got, a, I've got a hot theory about that. Mm. The uh, the Hollywood elite are so oh, terrified God. of the class uprising that they went, <laughs> oh, we like Parasite too. Yeah, it's great. And that's why Parasite won Best Picture. That's a funny, I definitely that's a funny one. Ha- I haven't watched, obviously I haven't watched all the Best Picture nominees, but like having watched uh, Parasite this week, the way that it, also like Parasite, the way that it like makes you continue to think about it, Mm-hmm. I have a hard time imagining that any of the other movies on the list have quite that same effect. Like they all seem like great films, but with maybe the exception of Joker, I don't know. Um, but uh, that movie is just like, I, at the, at the, when Parasite was over, I was like, wow, that was a great movie. Not sure. It's my favorite Bong Joon-ho film, but it's, it's, it's a, it, that was really fantastic. I'm glad that it won. And then like every day since I watched it, I'm just like, I should watch that movie again because it had <laughs> stuff going. It had so much stuff going on. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot. It's... There's a lot you can unpack from it, even just in mm-hmm. re- in retrospect. Like you can think, like oh, every yeah. single scene has something going on like that. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. And there's so many things that you can dig up. But but beyond that too, it's it's just like a really well made movie too. So mm-hmm. it's it's, it's yeah. very in, in, engaging to watch, as well yeah. as being incredibly solid uh or incredibly well crafted um, yeah and <laughs> yeah. and that there's also things that you can uh uh unpack there in terms of theme and in terms of uh it, it it's like a film student's dream because mm-hmm. or a film teacher's dream maybe because like it's an example of like every single piece of imagery and sequence has a deeper layered meaning but also it's not like it's just trying too hard. Um, it's not a movie, you know, there's like movies that are metaphorical, like, <laughs> but there's movies that are like all yeah. metaphor, like <laughs> they're fine. Um, but they're, but, but the, the point is the metaphor, whereas parasite is like everything is metaphor, but also it's just a good movie and that, and, yeah. and you can just watch it from start to finish and it's enjoyable. It's really like you had said earlier this week, Alex, it's really two good movies because it kind of, does it, have a hard break at one point and yeah, goes right. from being one kind of movie to being another kind of movie. I think the scene in which that happens is also perfectly executed. Where mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like a 10-minute sequence where it goes from being that kind of heist movie, drama e comedy kind of thing into almost a horror movie. <laughs> like, yeah. All within the span of 10 minutes, and they do it like so perfectly. Yep. Yep. So Anyways, you should definitely watch it. it. it they picked the best movie for for best picture this year. Yeah, which is which, is which is bananas because that doesn't always happen. That almost it's it's almost rare that that happens that they actually pick the best movie. And well, this year and, their lives and, were on the line in the upcoming class war, so they had to choose it. <laughs> they had no choice. Yeah. And also the fact that you know translators were up on stage in order to help that. Like mm-hmm. it's that was a nice change. Just, such cool moments, like like yeah. you got to to. Say the Scorsese quote while Scorsese Oh, the Scorsese thing was so cool. Yeah, that stuff is really cool. <laughs> it was such a good um, rap on uh, for like Scorsese too for the year because he's had some questionable takes this year, and 
Um, I thought it was cool to end on a high note for him. And like when the Irishman was coming out, I was kind of like, man, I don't know. This seems like such a, um, like it's Scorsese doing the Scorsese thing again for Netflix. I don't know, but it turns out it's that movie apparently is really, really good. Um, and actually really, really good. Um, so it's just cool that, that like all of that stuff kind of coalesced at that show, I think. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's your movie fix for 2020. Yep. Yeah. We'll be <laughs> back next year to talk about more movies. Yeah. The, and uh, the, I don't know. I don't know what best picture Harold and Maude. This year has very little in terms of movies that I'm excited about. Very little. Uh, Wait, they, you weren't excited uh, for the best Dr. ones Doolittle? are the ones that <laughs> he pulls bagpipes out of a dragon's ass. Uh, now I'm excited for Doctor Doolittle. I hadn't heard that. Oh no! Oh, that, yeah. that is a that is a the, big, like big, the big, climax of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Doolittle will be my cats. Apparently, it's terrible. I've heard it's rancid. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to whatever Adam Sandler makes next, since uh, Uncut Gems did not uh, perform. Yeah, I believe he did make... threaten to make something purposefully bad. <laughs> I Does he think that his any, awful movies are good? No, no, I, I don't know. I think that's like he's just making bullshit, and he okay. knows it's they're not good. But he's going to make something purposefully bad, and like I think the implication he hasn't been trying is uh, what that would. The mean. bigger question is what podcast, what podcasters should come together to make a podcast where they watch whatever his horrible movie coming out is. Every Demia Dijuibe. Okay. Uh, Patrick Gill, Pat Cotter. No, Pat Gill. I'm not gonna watch the bad <laughs> Adam Sandler movie ever. Not, uh, not okay. Okay, uh, Pat Gill, Demi Adijuwebe, uh, Vinnie Caravella. Yeah. <laughs> God, by the way, we need, uh, around, we need a woman on this. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and Keita Jackson. No, <laughs> make Keita watch. How about Daniel Riendo, Greta, Greta Gerwig. Yeah, yeah, sure. Greta Gerwig, <laughs> Vinny Caravella, Pat Gill, Demi Adigewebe. Um Speaking and- of Pat Gill, if you haven't watched it, uh, his interview uh, with Ben Schwartz on the Polygon YouTube channel yeah, is, is it is like good. maybe the best interview I've ever seen. It and is the, very good. The physical comedy good. they do with the paper airplane, like at one point, it's a mild spoiler, but yeah. it's it's really it, good. I want the, I I want Pacquiao to become famous enough that he can actually do something regular with Ben Schwartz. There there just there's a discussion about uh who Shadow the Hedgehog is is also extremely good. <laughs> uh, I like to the point Pat where Gil I can't should, stop thinking about it. He asks him what Sonic is running from. <laughs> <laughs> it is like the best interview and I am like ah the the yeah. clip the cut clip where is like uh, where Ben Schwartz is like reading questions like can Sonic cuss? <laughs> no, and, but the, but yeah. that it's that that's not even the best part of that clip because it's like what's the worst word? Oh, that oh, lost oh, we lost oh no! Oh, oh wait, you're we back. can't know the best part. Oh, you're back. You're okay. back. You're okay. back. It's fine. Yeah, but no, the best part is that you know is what's the worst word that uh, Sonic can say? Yeah, I don't even uh, remember that one. Oh, Patrick. it was it was like a cut clip on. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was no, I saw it. Oh, yeah. I, it didn't strike. I remember that it was linked to me, and then it didn't. Mm. I watched it, and it didn't actually strike me as being that funny. But mm. I probably need to watch it again. 
it was the first thing I saw from that. So that's probably why it stuck in my head. But uh, all right. Speaking of Sonic, Pat Pat played video games. <laughs> yes. What, he remembered what this podcast is about. <laughs> I was going to say, we are we are quite a bit into this podcast and we have yet to talk yeah, about video games. As, as of hey, Monday. We talked about the eventual Grand Theft Auto 6, Harold and Maude. <laughs> As of Monday, I definitely was like, maybe I'll just skip the podcast this weekend because I'm just going to play Modern Warfare this week because season two of Modern Warfare came out and it's oh cool. wait, uh, there's still one thing I had to talk about, but we'll we'll get back to it. Okay, um, Modern Warfare <laughs> continues continues to be good. Uh, that new assault rifle kind of sucks <laughs> ass, uh, but the 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 Ump 45 is very good and maybe a little too good. Um, but uh, no, I ended up actually playing some sort of new stuff. I don't know. It's a weird world because I played a game that has been in early access for like three years. Um, but it's 1.0 and just hit 1.0 and I played a game that's in beta. So <laughs> both ends of the spectrum. Um, but first uh, I can talk a little bit about Wilson, uh, which hit 1.0 this week. Um, Wilson is a game that I ended up picking up because I remember I had wishlisted it because it looked really cool, but the reviews on it in early access were not super hot. So, and as much as I hate steam, the culture of steam user reviews, like digging into reading these ones for this game were pretty, it was pretty clear that it did have some rough edges. Um, but then I saw, I got an email that it had hit 1.0 and I clicked on the store page and it was, it had like very positive reviews, like 92%. Um, so uh, I had and I linked it to some friends who really like um, these kinds of games and they were like, yeah, let's go to it and play it. Uh, so started playing that. It is an action RPG in the Diablo vein, pretty or really more in the Path of Exile vein, pretty directly. Um, it uh, it's, you know, click to move and you have skills and you're in an from a, sort of an isometric viewpoint and everything. Um and those games are, it's a genre that I really, really want to like, uh, but I always get bored of those games, like, after an hour or two. Um, and this one, it's too bad that Sam had to duck out because <laughs> I wanted to talk about this as it relates to Diablo, but this one seems pretty cool. Um, have any of you played Path of Exile before or seen, like, the... yes. The, the I played tree. like an hour. Yeah, like I, I saw the tree and like when you get up to doing maps and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, Path of Exiles got this really cool passive skill tree that or passive whatever you want to call it tree. Um, that's like a sphere grid. Sphere kind grid. Of. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no classes. It just you just kind of progress around it and um, and do make builds. But the thing about Path of Exile is that the builds are generally centered around one or two uh, active skills that you use, um, which isn't super interesting to me. I like sort of the more, um, loadout style character building that's in Diablo three, but for some reason, Diablo three just has never really like the character development never really clicked with me. Um, so interestingly, um, Wilson kind of combines those two things. So it has a big passive skill, sphere uh circle whatever that has like paths around it very similar to path of exile but it has i don't know the two games well enough to really say accurately but it felt like it was about a third as big as path of exiles 
massive skill map. Um, so it's a lot more, but instead of like, it's smaller, but it's more, every node is a lot more impactful in Wilson. Whereas in path of exile, you might get like a 2% life bonus in Wilson. You'll get like 10%. So you actually notice the effects of the nodes that you're, that you're getting on leveling up and it's broken into three rings, like the center and then two rings and you can rotate them. So you can basically make any combination of skill archetypes that you want. Um, and so it leads to like looking around the ring and going, okay, I see a cool thing that I'm going to try. And then trying to build that. Like I spent like 10 minutes looking at the rings and was like, okay, so if I rotate it this way and this way, I can make a build that focuses on lifesteal and attack speed and try to make like a ranger that like heals back as much damage as they're, as they're taking from attacking. Um, and so it, and then, and then like, because each node is pretty impactful, you start to feel it right away. So like I can already in two hours of play, I, my attacks are like three times as fast as they were when I first started. So, um, that stuff is really cool. Um, it's not like the items aren't super exciting. Uh, that's one area where it doesn't really hang with something like Diablo, where you tend to get like pretty cool looking stuff fairly early. Um, but the skill system is more similar to Diablo. You unlock them by finding them in the world rather than leveling up. But when you, uh, the, the skills like level up themselves and then you can put modifiers on them and things. Um, but the skills are, are very kinetic. So there's like a turret skill where you can drop a turret and it'll shoot at people, but then you can also pick the turret up and walk around with it and shoot people with the turret. And then it becomes kind of like you're pulling out this big Gatling gun. Um, or there's things like, uh, there's a hammer throw ability where when you hit the skill again, it returns the hammers and deals damage coming back. So the skills are a lot more like active and feel more action oriented. That's more strategic. Uh, I actually died a couple of times fairly early on because it's a little tougher out of the gate than something like Diablo. Um, so yeah, it, the, the downsides of it right now is that it's got a lot of technical issues still. Um, a friend of mine sent me a screenshot of a boss that he killed that was just T posed the whole time, which was very funny. <laughs> uh, and they've, Basically, the servers have been down like 80% of the time since 1.0 released because in beta, they had like under 10,000 players at most. And then then it got featured on Steam. Uh, and so then they like and it had very good reviews. So it sold a lot quickly. And they the developers were like, we had no clue that this was going to be that our servers were going to get hit this hard. Like they were like, we people were criticizing them for not doing a stress test. And they were like if we had done a stress test, we would not have been able to draw half the people that actually ended up buying the game because yeah. we didn't have any reach. And now we have like, we've sold like a lot of copies. So totally. hopefully it'll iron out. Unfortunately, the, that culture of steam reviews, it had great reviews going into 1.0 and now it has like, it's getting like destroyed by people who say it doesn't work and it's broken and unplayable, which is like technically true right now, but also it's like, 12 people at the studio mm-hmm. making this like what they were just trying to make a cool indie path of exile alternative. And now it's blowing up and they're trying their best. So people I would say patient. keep an eye on it. And and if you like those kinds of games, it's definitely worth picking up. Um, 
it does have some like pretty dumb. It's 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 it has that weird problem that it's built on CryEngine, and it has that weird problem that I find is pretty common with CryEngine games. Saying stuff like that is questionable because I don't know how to make a game in CryEngine, and a lot of times people put too much stock in the engine that's being used and without understanding it, which I'm kind of doing here. But uh, it has like really cool monster designs and the armor and weapon designs are pretty cool. So when you're actually playing it, it looks good and the lighting is outstanding. Um, but the character designs for like NPCs in cutscenes aren't as good and like don't there's something like kind of off about them. Like it's not like the, the, the models are sometimes not as good as the environments and the lighting. So it creates this weird, like uncanny Valley thing where like the backgrounds look really great. And when you're zoomed out in the gameplay view, all of it looks really good. But when they zoom in for the cutscenes, it's like, eesh, this is those faces do not look like, sounds like they just shouldn't zoom in. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like the cutscenes are good, but, sometimes when it's like people in armor and stuff, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But whenever a face has to animate or like the, uh, the, the, the characters have to animate in like clothing instead of armor, it doesn't look very good, no, but that's a that super, super, super minor nitpick, super, super tiny nitpick. Um, and you know, like all these games, the story is not good. <laughs> <laughs> these games never have good story. Yeah. Um, the, it has one cool mechanic that is, totally unique to it instead of cribbing from other things uh, where you can, you sort of like charge an ultimate ability. um, But, and then you get, you press R to activate it, but it's like a transformation into a like demon or angel or like monster. Basically that's pretty cool and different. Uh, But the other thing with the character designs is the, they have the character creator is super limited. um, But there's one NPC that you meet early and I just don't, I don't understand what the impetus was, but like her breasts are kind of like, um, boulders, like Like, bags of sand. It looks like you could, like she could probably hit someone with them and it would just knock them out cold. And I guess they couldn't produce armor that was like, or like a leather suit that was like large enough to fit around them. Cause she has to keep her suit unzipped down to like her belly button. And it's the dumbest fucking thing. <laughs> it looks real stupid. And it's one of those like, come on. <laughs> it's yeah. We've hit a point where you don't have to do this. Totally. It's not like I look at that character and go, Oh yeah, I'm turned on right now. It's like a Diablo model. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was really stupid and I really wish that we would stop doing that as a society. Um, Have you, have you ever stopped to consider that maybe that is the armor? (laughs) Well, it's, it's all cosmetic. It's it's probably effective then. Uh, That is the armor. And then she takes that off when uh, she gets home and wants to take a bath. Another neat thing that is uh, less silly. Um, Thankfully, like I'm playing as a, as a, as a woman and, the armor that I'm finding isn't like that. So like that character is ridiculous, but it's not like that's a recurring problem. Well, it's because you're not at the high the end design. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you got to get uh, a level 99 girlfriend to, uh, get the, uh, the sexy armor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, the, all the, whenever you get something, get a, get a piece of armor or a weapon, um, it unlocks it as a cosmetic. So you can just like, 
transmog any gear to look like any other gear that you found, which is kind of neat. Um, it costs gold to do the transmog, but that's it. It's kind of a pittance. So uh, it has a cool end game too, from what I've seen um, that it's like you're rebuilding the city. So you do like Diablo style adventure mode mm-hmm. stuff, but you get resources that you then use to build projects in the city that give you like boost to magic find or um, open up new vendors and stuff like that. So it's a cool game. I highly recommend it. It's uh, I think it's $40. So it is kind of, approaching that full price, but it seems like you can get hundreds of hours out of it. It's it. It feels like a kind of good alternative. If you like the idea of path of exile, but haven't really um, sometimes path of exile is free to playness, even though it, you can play the whole game for free without buying anything. Sometimes it's free to playness still feels like it gets in the way a little bit to me whenever I've tried to get into it. Uh, and I just don't particularly like the way that builds work in path of exile. Uh, and they seem more creative and interesting and expressive in Wilson. So it's interesting. I recommend it. Yeah. In terms of like uh, indie kind of these like isometric RPGs, uh, how do you think this stacks up to like Grim Dawn? Um, it's tough to say, like if you want to play through a game and then be done with it, Grim Dawn is, I think maybe a better game because Grim Dawn has a better, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say Grim Dawn has like a great story, but it's still interesting. Um, I think it's probably the best of this genre in terms of its campaign play. Sure. Um, but uh, Grim Dawn also doesn't have, it's still like a class-based game, right? Yep. So like if, so you play, you kind of play it to end game and the end game in it is like, it's fine, but it's more about playing it to end game with a character and then putting the build together for that character that you want, seeing if it works and then going, Oh cool. And then starting over with a different character and doing that. Whereas this game is much more like you finish the game, the campaign once, and then you never play it again because every time you make a new character, you can jump straight into the end game with that character and just do the adventure style stuff. And so it's much more about like playing around with different builds. You can also much it's classless, right? So you can take everything back for a pretty small fee of in-game currency. Um, and then respec out to a totally different build. So you can take your like ranger from being a pistol wielding attack speed ranger to being a warrior that uses pets or whatever. Um, so I think in that regard, it's like if you want to play a game for a long time, Wilson is maybe a better thing. But there's also so much Grim, Grim Dawn now with all the different expansions they've done that there's a lot to play through. So awesome. I don't know. They're both really good games. Have they put out like a roadmap for anything after 1.0 or I think they're still trying to keep the servers from exploding. They had a Trello roadmap that I think still has some stuff on it, Trello. but um, it, they do plan on supporting it. They're talking about doing seasonal events. They yeah. are going to do cosme- a cosmetic shop uh, to continue to bring in some revenue because it seems they, I mean, the studio, they named themselves Wilson Studio. So I think they want to ah, make this game for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they want to. Called their shots. Yeah. Uh, it, this game was originally a Kickstarter for a game called Umbra. And it's right. sort of an interesting heritage because Umbra was going to be like open world and it was going to have like very, very, very in-depth weapon crafting where you could like put specific parts together to make your perfect ARPG weapon. None of that stuff is in this game. It's an act-based kind of linear Diablo style progression, like move through the world 
and there's no weapon customization. So I don't know. They might pull, they might try to like pull some of that original pitch in, but some backers mm-hmm. were a little pissed off because while the thing they made was is really good, it is nothing like what their initial Kickstarter pitch was. So that's uh, the risk with Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I would be more critical of it if it if the thing they made hadn't turned out pretty great in its own respect. So. Um, but you know, still has tech issues. There's some balancing issues. I guess there's like, they're super indie. There's like one skill that the number is wrong in the backend code. So it'll give you like, it's supposed to give you like 10% damage increase, but it gives you a thousand percent damage increase. So if you take that, that node, it just like, you could just destroy everything. Um, seems like a quick fix though. Hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure it'll get better. Yeah. Weirdly enough, Wonderful 101 actually does have the the uh, in-depth weapon crafting. Who knew? Huh, it yeah, just it yeah. got pulled from the uh, the Umbra Kickstarter and got put into Wonderful 101. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Super in-depth weapon crafting. It was one person that was going to make that happen, and they went from Wolfson yeah, they, Studio to uh, Platinum to yeah. Platinum. Uh, they took their all their work with them. Speaking of Platinum. It's not Platinum game, but it's a game by a studio that has clearly been inspired by Platinum. Okay. Ninja uh, Theory, right? Yeah, Ninja Theories. I played some of the beta for Bleeding Edge. Ninja Theory's new uh, multiplayer brawler. Um, and it's kind of, it's pretty interesting. It's, I'm very Is it interested. hobby grade? Uh, well, it's better than Battleborn, but it definitely has a lot of, like, there. there's some... There, there was something that while I was playing it, I was like, I like this, but there's something about it that I think is going to like miss with people. And then I realized this is kind of like Battleborn in some ways. <laughs> it's better again, but it's a it's a so it's a, it's a it's a melee focused Overwatch, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, very Overwatch like you you there's 11 characters so far. They're divided into. Um, offense, support, and tank. Um, you uh, the the character designs are very kind of Borderlandsy, but in some ways more uh, they're better than Borderlands. I think like they're more interesting in my opinion. Um, they're weird. Uh, like there's a lady who um, has like robotic legs, and she's kind of like she is like a bird. Um, and she makes like bird noises sometimes and stuff. Uh, there's another lady exactly. that is, uh, that rides like a unicycle and, uh, but like a motorcycle unicycle, not like a motorcycle. Oh, is, it like, unicycle. is it like one of them wheels that you, that has like the two things on the side of it and you just kind of stand on it like a hoverboard, but it's no, like the not a hoverboard weird... not, or whatever, a unawheel, hover wheel, yeah, whatever. The thing no. that Obi-Wan Kenobi uses to chase General Grievous. <laughs> no, it's just, it's <laughs> no, it's like the back half of a motorcycle. Like the, this she's, she's kind of, she's like a bigger lady and she has like, she rides this motorcycle wheel on the back and then she has like two saws for her weapons and she can go when she like goes into every character can like jump on a hoverboard. But for some that don't have, are, are they chainsaws? No, they're like circular oh. saw blades. She can, when she goes into her travel mode, instead of pulling out a hoverboard, she like leans down and then uses those two saw blades as like the front wheel of the motorcycle. <laughs> it's, it's, That's, it's very weird. Yeah. And it's the kind of game that the aesthetic is very much like, 
first it was a little off-putting to me, and then I played it for 20 minutes, and I was like, yeah, I'm into this. And then every time I have looked at it, and I, I need that like adjustment period to go like, yeah, this is where we're at right now. This is what we're doing. We're doing a graffiti samurai guy. Uh, and so... And and like it plays, it's very fluid and it plays well. Um, the problem is that the like your auto attack has a combo. So you left click. I'm playing on mouse and keyboard because I'm playing on PC. Um, and you left click to do an auto attack. And out of the eleven characters, four of them are ranged, and the rest of them all are like combo based melee. But I say combo very lightly because it's just like a mash combo. It's like you just hit the left click or I don't know if it's right trigger. I don't think it would be, but you click the attack button over and over and over again and they do a combo and you're trying to like lock people in to your combo so that they take a bunch of damage from your combo. There's a dodge mechanic where if you time it right, you can dodge out of combos, but that uses up stamina. So it's sort of a back and forth of stamina usage and one-on-one it could maybe be interested, interesting, but it would basically just be whoever does the best pair. Cause you can also parry stuff if you time it really well. So it would really just be like a back and forth of who has better reflexes um, rather than s- particularly strategic. And then you have abilities on your right click, your Q and your E that are super overwatchy. It'll be mm-hmm. like, but they're not like, they're not that interesting it'll be like oh i slam one character will slam their hands on the ground and then everyone gets slowed around them but another character will stomp their foot on the ground and everyone gets rooted around them and yet another character will push a button and they'll bang their staff on the ground and everybody around them takes damage it's like it's a moba it's a dota yeah but it's it's in a in a world where those are already good it's kind of like if you're going to make another one of those, you really got to do something interesting. Um, and I'm not sure that the comboing and stuff is enough to differentiate it because the combos just aren't that interesting. Really? It's just like, Oh, I hope I get my mash combo in. And the biggest thing for me that I find frustrating is when you play, like I've been playing a fair amount of league because my partner reinstalled it. So we've been playing a Rams and stuff. And if, if you're really, if you're really good at league, sometimes you can do like really cool one V fours or something, you know, like there's, there's that there's room for super high level play to make, make you be able to pull more from the character. And I'm certainly not saying that I'm like at the skill cap for bleeding edge by any stretch, but it does seem like if I am by myself and the whole enemy team is coming towards me, there is there would be no amount of skilled play that could make anything other than me immediately dying happen. Um, because it seems like it's very just like mathy of like when the teams collide, all that really matters is who's attacking who. Um, and I'm, I, I hope I'm wrong about that. I've only played a few matches, so I could be wrong, but uh, the matches also seem like, they're not that long, but they feel too long for what the kind of game it is. It seems like they should be like 10 to 15 minutes and they're more like 20 to 25 minutes, which feels or maybe I'm just having a weird time perception with it because I have some issues with it. But I'm interested to see where it goes. It's like 
it's a kind of game that I want to play more of because in some ways, like when I'm being as charitable as possible, it reminds me of like, if you combined overwatch and smite smite being a game that I really enjoy. Whereas and overwatch being a game that I generally like, um, like as far as the gameplay is concerned, but I don't know that it's that good yet. So I'll be interested to see how it goes. It's like $30 to buy it. So it's not a full $60 game and it's on game pass because Ninja theory is a Microsoft first party now. So theoretically it should get support regardless of how it's perceived upfront. And I don't know, maybe they'll take criticisms from early on. I think it's going to get hammered when it comes to like reviews and the public perception when it releases, because I think people are going to play it who are not, like I think a Jeff Gersman is going to play this game and go like, what the fuck? And just drop it like a stone. Um, but I wonder if it'll live on with people that are looking for the very specific niche that it's sort of playing in, uh, which yeah. technically I'm someone who would enjoy that. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. I've- how, how pornable are these uh, characters? Not, not, not. that okay. is something I appreciate it's, about it's the character designs. Um, like I like I said, like the, the one of the, the the tank characters is a larger lady, and they still like put a tight like tight fitting shirt on her. Sorry for the background noise. They put like a tight fitting shirt on her, and uh, there's definitely like some cleavage going on. And I was like, all right, yeah. Uh, but I can see like lots of gamer bros being like, this is gross. Uh, unfortunately, because gamers suck. Um, that they do, and like. It's definitely not a game where they designed the characters for uh, sex appeal at all. They have like weird, cool in a cool way. They have like weird proportions and stuff. Um, like one of the attackers is like this old lady that uh, has a balloon that like holds her up because she's clearly like she wouldn't be able to like run around on her own, which is an interesting thing that I think is kind of cool about it is a lot of the characters are are living with some kind of disability. If you look at the way that they're designed, but then they have these like prosthetics or, um, or like tools to help them, which I think is, can I shoot, can I shoot the old lady's balloon and make her fall over? No, no, there's only a few people that shoot anyway. Can I, can I hit it with a saw? Can I do, (laughs) can I do something to this old lady's balloon? No, no. What? She's, she's, she's good. She literally can drop a cage around you. Like a this bird is, cage. You know, between this and uh, this Harold and Maude and Watch Dogs Legion, old women are having a comeback in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> that the old woman in Bleeding Edge is actually named Maude, now that I think about it. Oh, man. Uh, That's awesome. I'm going to look that up. So, But I don't know. It's in beta right now. If you have Game Pass, you can play it in beta this weekend. I would recommend checking it out. And, you know, but if you have Game Pass, you're going to have the game when it comes out. In, yeah. A month and a week. So is it so. that? Is that that soon? Yeah. Okay. I, March twenty fourth. I I have two thoughts for you on this thing. Maeve. Maeve is her name. Sorry. Maeve. Um, the first thought is when you said it was very mathy. I thought you said it's very mappy, and I'm like, oh, oh shit, man! If they made no. a mappy version of this where you're playing as like a mouse and you're trying to chase cats around, that'd be pretty great. <laughs> um, but another thing, just from like the attitude and like you were talking about, like the character who has. Uh, motorcycle who turns into a motorcycle with her blades on her arms and all that kind of stuff. Like the general attitude of it comes across as like if David Jaffe wasn't a total shithead. Uh, 
Yeah, sure. Um, sure. It, there's there's a bit of that kind of yeah. <laughs> like it seems like uh, if twisted metal, twisted like, like yeah, twisted metal, thing. but good and also kind of modernized. Yeah, I dropped a, a, a buttercup picture, of buttercup in our chat. Right. Um, as an example, she's a very good example of like how this art. Oh yeah. Generally is. Sure. Um, I will put that and, up on the video version for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, but like looking at her skills, if you right click, she has yank chain an enemy and yank them back to you. Her Q is oil slick, drop a puddle of oil that slows enemies. And her E is whiplash, unleash a flurry, flurry of whipping blades that damage all nearby enemies. And it's like the E you just pop it and then you walk, you, you drive around and it hits people that are near you. It's very like fun and functional, but also it's not better than other games that do that either. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, seems interesting. If they can balance it really well, it could be a great alternative to overwatch because that's overwatch's biggest problem from a gameplay perspective. I think it has plenty of bigger problems from a cultural perspective, but from a gameplay perspective, um, overwatch is just poorly balanced from what I hear right now. So if they can find a way to balance this game super well, then I could see that being cool. Uh, because it is generally it controls well. Uh, it does not feel though. I think I was expecting since it's Ninja Theory for it to feel like a character, more like a character action game. And I would not say it feels like that. It feels much more like um, it's closer to. It's a little more free and fast, but it's closer to something like Smite than it is to uh, something like DMC. Do you think that they will add Senua as a character? No. Okay. I don't think sh- I think that would be unfortunate if they did. I would because agree. the tone of this game is very <laughs> over the top. Yeah. Um, my favorite character design is a snake that like animates a corpse. So it looks like it's a zombie guy with a snake, but really the snake is the character. Um, snake? I, snake? I, snake? I don't think that Senua would be a good addition. I will say that I'm very glad that they announced Senua's saga. Because uh, if this game came out and they didn't have another game announced, I would be like, oh, this is what Ninja Theory is doing now. So I'm glad that this seems to be like a sort of side game for them in some respects uh, while their their main team works on Senua's Saga. Um, You don't know that. Maybe this is the main team. Maybe. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I I think this I think that it's definitely worth trying this game, but I, I would. I have pretty metered expectations for the reception of it. And it's one that I could see like scrapping it out and sticks keeping alive because it's at least unique um, in its melee-ness, uh, even if it's not unique in its overwatchness. But uh, I could also see it being the kind of game that comes out in March and by September, like no one is playing it. Okay. Well, uh, is is the beta just running this weekend or is it there's like a beta for a this, longer time? This weekend and then there's also one the week before it comes out in March on the 14th of March. All uh, right, well. So it's not a huge game. That's nice. It's like 12 mm-hmm. gigs, which as someone with a data cap, I appreciated. Uh, well, uh, you know what? All these things that we've talked about in the past like hour have in common. What's that? Is it- they can all be made in dreams. Wow. Uh, the newest release from Media Molecule uh, 
much like uh, Wilson, it has been available in like an early access kind of state. They released like a like a pre not a preview version, like an early version for people who want to get into the creative stuff of Dreams. Um, if you don't remember what Dreams is, it's the game where you can make all sorts of stuff follow up to little big planet in a way, but a lot more robust in its creativity tools. I have not messed with any of the creativity stuff yet. Uh, I'm not very good when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I've only played like an hour or so. Uh, But what, so the game came out on Valentine's day, Friday, February 14th. And one of the big things with the full release was that media molecule actually put in like their own, like, stuff to like showcase okay here's what's possible here's all the stuff that we've made internally not all the stuff but here's a lot of stuff we've made internally with the tools of the game all things possible uh for players and creators uh so you can play that to kind of get an get an idea of what's uh possible and one of the things i played was like a kind of a resogun type uh thing Mm -hmm. where it's you've got like a cone not a cone uh, a cylinder that you're kind of flying around and shooting like aliens and ships and stuff like dual joy- dual joystick shooter kind of thing dual, and dual joystick the, is a pretty good one though <laughs> <laughs> dual joystick <laughs> uh yeah uh, so that that was fine um it wasn't like anything mind-blowing but it had like a ton of upgrade like mechanics where like You'd get you'd earn money by, you know, destroying ships and like lasting waves. And then once you got enough money, you could back out and then you could buy upgrades for like your health or your shield or your guns. And those would all like, you know, carry over into the thing. I haven't gone back to it since I stopped playing it. So I don't know if like if I back out of the game, do I lose all that progress? Uh, so there are like ways to checkpoint that kind of stuff, but I'm not exactly sure how it works for players or like for like, if you're creating like a game like that. Um, and then the other thing I played in it was, I believe it was called art therapy and it's the kind of the big showcase thing from media molecule, I believe, because like it is their thing. Specifically media molecule made things. Yes. Okay. This is like. It's like the first thing you see when you go into like dream surfing. I believe it's called art therapy um, because there's a guy named art in it. And you're kind of going through his thoughts and Hmm. work it through some stuff with him. And they describe it as like a feature length film kind of experience. So I played for probably 45 minutes to an hour and I'm. That's interesting. Barely halfway through. Is it kind of like Little Big Planet in the way that you play through that and it gives you things like it unlocks things for use in the creative mode? Or is that it? Uh, so I haven't it? looked into the creative mode, but there are I am collecting stuff. Right. And I think what I'm collecting is like the assets that are in. So like I'm okay. getting sounds or like models that they used that they created and used in this um, video. Okay. I don't know if like other people can do that. I don't know if that's like a media molecule space specific thing because you can just go in and be like oh hey i like this model i want to use this model and just pull it and use it so i don't know exactly what the purpose of that is yeah the coolest thing about dreams in my opinion is you can pull other people's work and then it credits them in the credits for your game oh that's really smart 
Yeah. yeah. So, so you can pull it, remix it, and do your own thing and be like, oh, hey, this was based on this person's thing, but then they changed and, it. And you don't get to not do like it's what's cool is like if I pull your T Rex model and use it in my game, when people finish playing, it's going to show credits yeah. and it's going to be like, oh, this person made this T Rex model. That's, um, that's very so, good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think you can lock your stuff down so people can't use it. But yeah, as far as I've can. seen, no one does that because everyone likes to like have their stuff get shared around. Mm-hmm. That's the community around that game is so cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so awesome. the cool thing about art therapy is like the whole point is it's trying to showcase as much of what you can do with the game as it possible. Mm-hmm. So like it starts off, it's got like tons of cut scenes uh, and like very artistic. Uh, it's all based on like the main character is a double, uh, like a double bassist in a jazz band. Mm-hmm. And he's going through like some, he's going through some personal stuff. Uh, he, you know, he lost his dragon. He quit his band to go search for his dragon. Um, and he's like going through memories and there's like this crow Thornbeak, and it ate the eye of one of his like childhood dolls. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> and so, like, it starts off, and you're just it's like you're going around, and you're the little imp thing that is kind of the cursor, and you're like looking around the room and like messing with some dolls and toys. And then you possess one of the dolls. There's two dolls, Foxy, and I can't remember the other one. Foxy is the one that lost its eye, and then you go into like this kind of 3D platformer kind of world, uh, kind of like a like a super lucky's tale or like a crash bandicoot, just kind of like corridor platformer kind of thing. And then you've got different powers on the different uh, characters. It's like one shoots, one's like a melee. And then you go from that to into the like, quote unquote, real world. And you're controlling um, art. And you're walking around, you're investigating places, you've got uh, like conversation trees where you're picking different, you know, options. It's fully voiced. And, you know, there's tons of music through this whole thing. There's musical numbers where like it's just it's like, you know, they've got these long like multi-minute songs like and during this, there's like the guys like throwing out like things you can collect and it's all very well produced. Like, you know, when they're you're a big studio like Media Molecule, you can afford to do that when that's supposed to be your um your, you know, landmark thing or whatever, your show your showpiece, as it were. And I the th- most impressive thing to me is it's all seamless. You're just like bouncing between all these different kinds of gameplay and presentations for things. Um so if like that's what's actually possible with these tools. I can't wait to like really dive in and see what the super ambitious creators are doing. Yeah. The thing I, what I found, I didn't spend that much time. I like went in to dream surf, which is what they call mm-hmm. like just like kind of surfing through different games to try yeah. people have made. And I found like a pretty cool marble one that was like a marble madness kind of thing. And I played yeah. that for a little bit. And then I found one that was like a Spider-Man swinging simulator and it was not as good as playing. I mean, it was impressive that this person made it. So props to them, but it was not as good as playing Marvel (laughs) Spider-Man, the game. I mean, that's what I started. Yeah, 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 of course. But then I started to play like a couple, I found like one like shooter. I found a a little like hide and seek thing that someone had made and it was all cool. And I think it's awesome for people that their whole thing is they want to create 
and then operate in the community and share what they've created with other people who are creating. Yeah. But if you want to play games, I don't know that you can make like a truly great game in there. It's really impressive what you can make with their tools for sure. But I don't know that we're ever going to have maybe I hope what happens is that in a, in a year, there's like a bunch of articles at Vice and Kotaku and Polygon that are like, holy shit, this dreams game. You need to check this out. But I wonder if we're going to get there because the tools are good and there's a lot of very, really talented people in the community. But I, it's still not an experience on par with playing a professionally made video game, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to take away from people yeah. making stuff in that community because it's way better than I could do. But it it seems like you really have to the draw for you has to be I want to see what people are making, not I want to play great games. Um, Would you say that it's, you recommend it more towards people who are interested in making games rather than. Like if you're just going into it saying I just want to play games, maybe uh, not. If it depends on why you want to make games. Like if you're like I want to be, like it's very, like I'm. You know, if you're like I want to make games, I want to be a game developer. If you're like you know a kid in high school or college, I, I want to build games. I'd say go learn Unity exactly. or Unreal. That's kind right. of my or point. Even, or, or even just get something like RPG Maker if that's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is a great way to get, you know, you can for, you know, it's got a built in service. It has a built in audience where people can just kind of see it yeah. and it can be a great way to like kind of just mess with stuff because everything's right there and like a little more user friendly. I think I again, I haven't messed with the uh, the creative stuff. Though. Yeah, like to I haven't played it, but I liked Little Big Planet 2 a lot and Little Big Planet 1 was fine. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, it seems more akin to something like um, getting really into the Warcraft Three modding scene, where people aren't necessarily mm-hmm. making full games there, but they're making like a really good yeah. idea that's isolated to yeah. that kind of like a, a but, round kind of based thing. Yeah. So like, but even then, like Warcraft Three is like you have the basic; it's isometric, and yeah. like you have the basic mechanics where you can basically make anything whole cloth. Exactly. Like I've seen some yeah. really bonkers stuff people have made with this that I don't understand how they've done with and, like gyroscope controls on like a TV. Yeah, and, which is fascinating. And yeah. And that yeah. stuff is cool. I guess it's just like I could see like even in, the dreams people are like, how did you do that? In my head, <laughs> I'm it's like, well, you know, I could make a really cool um space game in this in this thing like the tools are there you could do it but at what point is it like am i making a proof of concept that i'm then going to pull out and make in unity or something or where i don't know the tools as well and i'm not a 3d modeler and dreams Mm -hmm. makes that stuff easier or am i going to spend thousands of hours building a full experience within dreams Uh, it's i don't know it's it's an interesting thing i'm very interested to see how it goes because i think it's super ambitious in a cool way and i think the work that media molecule has done is really really impressive and i think that the stuff community creators are doing is really really impressive but i still don't know there are also plenty of people who can't necessarily afford a computer who would totally, be interested yeah. in building yeah, games awesome and stuff and this is a great way for also maybe if you're like younger and you're like like you express interest in making games it might be like a nice gift or a nice thing to just like test out the yeah. waters. Totally. It's, it's 40 bucks. Uh, so it's not super expensive. Yeah, and a, like, it's got all the tools you need. Like 
Mm-hmm. You can use a mic that you have to put in voiceover. It's got like oh, tech stuff. Sick. It's got uh, it's got like built in like music tools, so you can you know do all yep. sorts of yeah. I mean, I'm just interested to see stuff and like build. You can make movies if you want. Like if you want to do like animation for like movies, I think those tools aren't as readily available as something like like a Unity or an Unreal. So yeah, but I think the thing about this versus Unity or Unreal is uh, like if let's say this you're handing this to a 12 year old or something, if you Try to get them into Unity and Unreal. They're going to have to learn either C Sharp or C plus plus, and that is a huge thing to ask of a twelve year old. Twelve year old has a lot of time. Yeah, that, like but that's that's true. Like it's 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 much more like it's certainly it's much more approachable. But it mm-hmm. like if you're like okay, I really want to make games, then like the possibly if you have the resources, like you know you've got a computer that can you know do that kind of stuff, it might be worth it to just dive into that. But also it's a lot easier probably yeah. because you can build the thing with your hands. If you've got the move controllers, totally. you can like sculpt with your that's hands. That's the thing stuff to like me. So like I could see, I'm just going to keep using the 12 year old. Like I could see them running to C plus plus and just like banging their heads against it and getting frustrated and giving up and not wanting to come back to it. Whereas with this, they mm-hmm. can see stuff, make stuff and have immediate feedback, which is probably more appealing for. Yeah. And I think that. that's an important note is that if you're working on something in unity, like, yeah, you can launch another unity game, and go like, oh, this is what's possible, but is it really possible? Because like, I don't have any talent for 3D modeling, so uh-huh. it's going to be yeah. really, really, really hard for me. Like using the tools, I mean, it's going to be really hard yeah. for me to recreate something. Totally. But with Dreams, you can launch directly into someone else's game and go, okay, they made this in the exact. Their tool set was limited to the exact same thing that yeah. mine was is limited to. How did they do this, and how can I do something? How can I adapt ideas from this into what yeah. I want to yeah, make? Totally. Um, and you can even like, I believe not just limited to downloading people's uh, creation, like uh, models, but you can also download like music or uh, I think they're full dreams and yes. remix those. I believe you can yeah remix a full game. You can take someone else's game and put your spin on it and um, or like their video or whatever yeah. they've done. Yeah. Which is good. So it's very cool. And I don't want to sound down on it at all. It's just, um, I, haven't like I'm trying to find a, the right way to articulate it without sounding like a jerk, but I, like I think there are, there's definitely like concerns about the entire thing is basically community focused and generated content, community generated content when there's no like reward for the community. There's no like there's no compensation or anything, even though yeah, the community sure. is, this game lives and dies by its community. Um, and so it's basically just people who have fun creating. So, and there's stuff like kind of like, you don't, I think this is a good way to to articulate it. You don't take a creative writing class to read great literature. And I don't Mm -hmm. know that you play this or you buy this to play great games. It's more like you're joining a community of people who are working it out and figuring out like ways to flex sort of, um, young muscles in the that in the design space Uh, which isn't uh sorry go for it it's a localized itch.io for consoles (laughs) where it's like the entire ecosystem is in dreams which is you know maybe reductive but it's like a source of like super tiny games uh but there's again there's no compensation model maybe someone Maybe patreons pop up around this or something that would be uh, cool i could see that Yeah, yeah that'd be interesting but but I mean this idea is not new and Media Molecule made the previous idea like Little Big Planet 
I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say with two, especially when they launched LBP.me and stuff. Like it was very much that same kind of community that's limited to this game. Uh, and I think this is, even though it's really late in the console's life cycle, like this is probably the last year we're going to have the PS4. This is uh, if if kids are getting this now, like the kids move away from Fortnite and into this, they're going to be like that's a pretty cool place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, will they build Fortnite in? Oh yeah, how long until that? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any. You can do like multi- local multiplayer. I don't think you can do online multiplayer mm-hmm. games. But yeah, um, someone will find a and way. What I, and it'll be if it's you know for if the PS5 is indeed backwards compatible, then you know yeah. they've got that'll have a hopefully have a long That's life. True. And what I want to see is something like I want to see. Then this is bringing up the, the compensation is a really good way to put it. I want to see someone make a like a JRPG in Dreams. Oh god. Like a mm-hmm. big like a big like 20 hours or more game, full game. But I also don't want someone to spend thousands and thousands of hours working yeah. on that without getting paid for it. So exactly, I think like yeah. if I could give someone Patreon money to do this thing and then like get to see what a huge built-out experience in this tool set is like and huh. part of me wonders if like Maybe somewhere in the back end that they're and they're not talking about this, but maybe somewhere there's a lever that Sony can pull to pull the thing you made out of dreams and make it something that you could just play on its own. Like make an executable, um, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I worry about that a little bit because I do believe that they're in the EULA, everything you make in dreams is owned by Sony and they don't have to compensate you for it. Probably. Um, so <laughs> I don't know that that's a great thing, but um, if they played it cool and were like down the road, if people started making really wild full experiences with these tools and then uh, Sony were to say like, Hey, look, uh, you know, we're going to, we want to sell this as a separate thing. We'll compensate you for it and stuff. That would be neat. I also think it's a potential. I, I want to start working with the tools and building like short narrative things I also think it's potentially the kind of thing where I don't have a lot of connections. So if I were to get, and not I'm saying I, but anyone were to get into the community and building really cool micro experiences and gain some level of uh, recognition for that. If someone writes the Kotaku piece about your game, your dreams game, Mm -hmm. it could be something that could maybe elevate, like give you the ability to jump to working with a studio or something like that. And yeah. that would be really cool too. Yeah. If it's the sort of thing you can use as a portfolio builder. Yeah. Andre, I know you said you haven't touched the making stuff yet, but do you I've watched some videos. But, but do you know if there is any way to collaborate or if like is someone who is working on a thing, are they the only person who can work on that thing until they hit the release button? Or is it possible to be like, uh, oh, this other person can work on this work in progress? I don't know. I believe it's localized entirely to your PS4 mm. at this time of year. Uh, <laughs> I I would be shocked if they don't build collaborative tools. I, like I would hope like so. Because yeah. like, like, if, if you're talking about making that thousand hour, like the thousand yeah. hours to make a 20 hour JRPG, if you can cut that down by having a team member, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like people will, I mean, kind of the cre- collaborative stuff is, oh, well, this person made some music for me or this person made models for me and they sent me yeah. models. And then like you have the, like this person doing coding and or like animation and stuff like that. So yeah. like it's collaborative in that sense. But I don't know if you can have like multiple people working on the same dream 
without like remixing it and changing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which um, yeah. isn't the ideal solution, but it, it there, are, there are some people. Yeah. There are some people who only want to like make models and there are some people yep. who just love making music in it and stuff like that. So they've already, uh, meeting molecules, molecules already like discovered that people have found their niche and they love like doing one specific thing mm. with the tool set and they're getting really good at Kinda it. Kind of like the people who make the, uh, really elaborate things in Forza, like the, whatever, like the skins. The, the, yeah. The, the skins. Yeah. The decal, yeah, decals called, or whatever. The, yeah. I think that the game is liveries liveries. Yeah. yeah. That game is definitely going to live and die based on the way that it's supported. And I think also the way that it's covered too, to some extent. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I think it could, no one could ever write about it again and it'll have a, a community that hums along for sure. I'm not saying it'll die if it doesn't have that, but I could see it becoming a pretty huge piece it's, of the Sony puzzle if it takes off in a it just meaningful depends way. depends on what people are going to write about. Cause like when, and like when it first came out in the beta, like a lot of the stuff was like, oh man, this person recreated Dead Space or like part of Dead Space and Dreams. And like, yeah, but like that's not. That stuff's impressive. Yeah, if that's, that's all, the, if the recreation. It, it is impressive, like as far as like what you can do with the tools. Yeah, yeah. But the, the and that was right when it came out. So becomes very tiring very quickly when you start yeah. doing the dream surfing. That's like the least interesting mm-hmm. stuff. It is. It's fascinating from a wow. You can do a lot with these tools, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. look forward to Bong Joon Bong Joon Ho's Parasite Two, made oh entirely in dreams, See, powered by dreams. That's the kind of stuff that. Uh, yeah, that's what I oh, want. I is for wonder. like people to make films and short games in it, and then have it say "powered by dreams" when you boot that thing as a separate exec I mean, executable. It, it, it's, uh, it's always in the bottom right corner like a little watermark says powered by dreams I, it drives me nuts I wonder if they will ever have like their first like celebrity collaborator to make something I I mean you think that's what they who would you want to see not J.J. Abrams who would you want Adam Sandler's next movie <laughs> made, powered by dreams I have seen a couple of professional developers on Twitter suggest that it is a good tool if you are a professional game developer and, and are just like, like concept the concept and if you are having like a, a a creative block that it's a good thing to go in and just mess around with the tools in to kind of mm. help you work through that so i would be interested to see if any professional developers like make any short experiences just using it as a like lower pressure environment to work oh, in. Oh, i want jack yeah. i want jack too. black to make a two human two <laughs> Too human, too fast. It's the only uh, thing. It's the only development tools that Dennis Dyack gets hands yeah, on. Exactly. <laughs> and then somehow he gets into a lawsuit. With, and then he uh, gets banned from the Dreams community. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ja- I want Jack Black to make a music game in Dreams. That would be. Oh, Chef's Kiss. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh yeah. Oh. That's, that's who I would want. <laughs> Like the mu- the music bits in uh in the art therapy thing are pretty good. Uh, they're just it's very strange. Uh, yeah, I, I I recommend it. I think it's worth checking out. Yeah. It's only forty bucks. Um, I didn't realize that was out. Maybe that is going to be the game I check out now. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I w- I want to get more deeper into it. I want to kind of mess with some creative stuff. 
I've got an idea for a thing I'd like to try and make. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but the fact that you can pull other people's creations and go, I can't, I'm not artistic. I can't draw. I can't sculpt. I can't do anything, but I could pull someone's dog and go, okay, I got a game idea. We'll see if it don't works. Pull that dog, man. Don't pull that dog. Uh, well, uh, things you can't make in dreams. I guess you can make things in dr- this in dreams, but uh, news for the week. Uh, what? Yeah, you know, I'm trying to segue. I said you can make everything before in dreams, but now you can't. That's dreams news. I don't know. We're going to talk about the news. All right. Uh, the the newest happenings in the world of video games. The happy haps. And a first, the first thing on our list is uh, something. It's news of something that will not be happening. Jeff Keighley will not be producing the E3 Coliseum this year. Yeah, and that's which I guess he won't be at E3 at all. Is my understanding? Yeah, at least not an official first time. In like tw- uh, official host. Yeah, or, yeah. I think he said he's not attending at all in general, but. It's yeah. also not that surprising to me, given that he kind of runs the main counter programming to E3 at this point. Right. Especially um, if you're kind But of, also, yeah. like, Jeff Keighley is, mm, he's at everything. Yeah. He's the Dorito Pope. <laughs> he, he's, he, is. he is E3. Well, what were you saying, Allison? Yeah, but I mean, I think it does make sense if you view E3 as being an event to announce and promote games and then you view the game awards as being an event to announce and promote games i i do kind of get that he might not necessarily want to i don't i don't think jeff keely's like oh i I, jeff keely wants to announce (coughs) and promote games at the thing but i think i think he in his heart of hearts wants that to be an award show to celebrate games but he's limited by like marketing and like he needs money to put that on and he gets limited by that stuff. I don't think that it's, I think it's ESA stuff that's causing him. I I was seeing like some people saying that there was like conflict between the direct, like he says the direction of the show himself, I believe, but like the direction of the ESA and the show, he's probably like, I, I can't feel good about attending and being part of this because it's, getting so far away from what he wanted to do probably. Yeah. Cause the E3 Coliseum is where they do like a lot of um, like the panels and the like, you know, live streams and stuff. And if like there are more and more people not going, like, you know, there's always people you can get for those. I'm Phil Spencer is happy to show up, sit on a couch and talk about whatever. But yeah, uh, the, that is like the, that's, I think, the most shocking uh, departure for me three for me. Uh, I was not expecting Jeff Keighley to sit it out. Yeah, but, I, okay. I, I'm still not surprised personally. Uh, I mean, not surprised in the sense that E3 is kind of going in the toilet. That, yeah, but more that because like, yeah, this, that, this... that's kind of where I'm not surprised either is is I'm not surprised that people are stopping attending E3 because uh, that feels like a the trajectory everybody's going with. I'm surprised more people. Yeah, I'm surprised more people haven't. Like, I mean, Sony has already backed out. Nintendo's been backed out of the mm-hmm. conferences for years. Like, I, yeah. I, I feel like we're going to see more and more people pulling out of E3 probably next year. Oh, I probably. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's only going to get more dire for them uh, because the ESA shows no signs of slowing down their 
continued descent into mediocrity uh, and patheticness. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Speaking of mediocrity, Uh Need for Speed is apparently going to have another game. Uh, and Criterion is going to be is being moved. The franchise is being moved to Criterion. What has Criterion been making? They made that bike game, or they've been supposed to be making that bike game, but it never came out. Bike, bike game. Or what was it? Oh, the it, one with like, like the, the. It was like the. It was like the all the different sports or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a collection of right. kind of. Was that Criterion? Was wasn't that was that not Ghost Games? I thought was it. Ghost Games who was making Need for Speed. Ghost Games was making Need for Speed, know. but I think Criterion hasn't put out anything really in the past few years. Okay. Well, yeah. So EA is like, hey, there's more Need for Speed, and um, Criterion is making it. Yep, that's fine. I mean, Criterion is good, or well, they were good. They put out Burnout Paradise. Was that the last game they did? Uh, no, they worked on another Need for Speed. Oh, bat- they worked on Battlefront Most Wanted, the remake of Most Wanted. Yeah, Most Wanted. Pursuit. That's what okay. it was. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Criterion historically has been good, but like we were saying, they just haven't really made that much of their own recently. Like I think, yeah, Most Wanted in 2012 was the last one they actually worked on, and then Hot Pursuit. In like 2010 was really good, but I think there just there hasn't been a good Need for Speed in so long. Also that, like since the original Most Wanted, if you ask me, uh, you know, I people can have their own opinions, but you know that was real good. Um, so unless they're until it's out, I'm not going to get my hopes up again. I was I was hopeful for like the Fast and Furious looking one they just did like two years ago or whatever, but. It was no good, so it's a bummer. Twenty nine. There's been twenty nine Need for Speed games. Jesus, is that that's more than Call of Duty, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, definitely. Like Jeez. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the Need for Speed franchise, and they keep pumping those things out. Apparently, jeez. Speaking of things, they keep pumping out. <laughs> Final Final Fantasy VII Remake got a new, uh, not really a trailer, so much as just the first, first the opening cutscene of the game. Five minutes they put out game. a demo. Yeah. Not yet. They put out a they demo will. of the game. That's the demo. Not, the opening movie yeah, is the demo. It's non-interactive <laughs> you get to play, demo. You get to play the first, what, how long is it? Ten minutes? Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. You get to play the first five minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, it's not a shot for shot remake of the opening of Final Fantasy VII uh, as it kind of it does show off the size and scope of Midgar Midgard Midgar Midgar <laughs> um right off the bat instead of keeping it like close to the chest um but that that looks like a final fantasy game yep it looks like one third of a final fantasy game i i i don't know why they're like oh we're going to put out the first 5 minutes what like what kind of marketing is that i'm so curious i wish that I I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room of those like of the like cutscene direction team mm-hmm. because I saw some folks Austin Walker for one was talking about it getting kind of deep on the analysis of like how they choose shots and the cinematography of that opening cutscene and I'm so curious how obviously these are very talented professional animators and directors so I'm not trying to denigrate their craft at all 
but I'm so curious if they think about it the way that a film director would think about it. And if there is that much there, if there really is that much depth there, or if it's more like, well, we can show the environment this time and everybody already knows it. So let's just show the city. Or if it's like trying to convey some kind of deeper metaphor about the arc of the game or something. It's just, it's an interesting question. Well, to it's me. also a much like different, like you can do so much more than what you could do. Exactly. PS one days. So, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm wondering is if it's more just like, well, we can show more. So let's just make it look cool. Or if it is like, well, we need to convey the scale of the way that the scale of the, of Midgar is the scale of the emotions of the characters or whatever. Like I'm just, just bullshit. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I don't have a, like yeah, yeah. A, a better example, but I just wonder because I saw some people sort of speculating on like, the deeper meaning of the opening movie. And I just wonder if there is a deeper meaning or if it's more just think, we can show more, make it look cool. You know, uh, I think that sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> like it just, it's probably just, they made a nice big cut scene and they're like, okay, well yeah. we, we want to drum up people's it's, interest in this game that's coming out soon. Cause like, we really need our budget back because Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is I, that would be my five years later, well. right? Five years later. And Yeah. I don't know. That, uh, one it's like the, it's like they they have not committed to three. I know they have committed know. to part more one. than one. Uh, <laughs> yes, more than one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it's like the establishing shots in the room. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because that is an example of like nothing in the room. The only time that there is metaphor in the room is when Tommy Wiseau is coming to your home, knocking on the door, and beating you over the head with it as you watch the movie. The majority of that movie is very literal. Uh, And I wonder sometimes if like, I just wonder with game development in general, because it's such a younger form than film, how much triple a developers really are trying to get at that metaphor and how much they're just like, I don't know. Fuck it. The buildings are cool looking and we can make the smoke look really good. I think it depends on the, like on the game. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, there's, there's certainly like, there's the Michael Bay approach and then there's people going for the more Artur or like, you know, more subtle approach, I guess, yeah. uh, more purposeful. I guess I, I don't guess, know what yeah. I, it's so hard to find the auteurs in AAA development and they're so such a large team and they're often so buried that it's hard to like know when that's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting because you can like you have so much more control over everything as a game. Right. Uh, director, I guess, or, you know, as a cutscene director and whatnot. Um, when you can so, make anything yeah. happen. So yeah. you can literally make anything happen. You know, you've watched those Devil May Cry 5 cutscene stuff. Totally. Yeah. To, like you can see, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to make sure it's I'm clear. I'm not saying that like, yeah, they're this isn't a, a like qualitative judgment so much as it yeah. is a, I'm interested to know where those lines are drawn because mm-hmm. I think that as, cause game criticism is evolving so much and there's certainly games that are up to that. Like I think games like disco Elysium and Kentucky route zero, like Kentucky route zero is a great example of a game that is, you know, at, at levels of great film in terms of the way that it like creates metaphor and layers but sometimes that criticism gets applied to things like, you know, Final Fantasy VII remake, and I just don't know if that game is at the same is 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 trying to do 
the stuff that that game crit kind of wants it to, you know? Uh, it will whether it it'll do the things game crit needs it to do because it's such a seminal piece of work. Well, and, and you can also so, always read into things, whether it's intentional yeah. or not, it still exists. And so I, I think the importance of it culturally makes it kind of ripe for that analysis, whether it maybe deserves it or not. But, and that's really more the, 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 the yeah. thing that I'm trying to, that I think is interesting is does it deserve it or not? Uh, and, uh, We'll see. It'll be interesting yep. to see. I'm so curious to see what that game turns out as and how it is. I could, it's, I, I don't even like right now. I'm not planning on buying it the day it comes out. I could see a week beforehand being like, holy fucking shit. I need to play the final fantasy seven remake. And well, a week like, before it comes out is the most important game of the year. Resident evil three. Oh yeah. I'll, I, I'll, I'll do the same thing I did with resident evil two. I'll want to play it all year. It'll go on sale later in the year, and then I'll try to play it, and I'll get stressed out, and then I so won't. It's already play it. been on sale, buddy. I got it. I got it pre-ordered forty-five dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, next next game on our list. Boy, oh boy, can you believe? Just one short year ago, Bioware released their newest, hottest hit. Anthem, yep. tearing up the Everyone's charts. Favorite. Everybody's talking about it. You know, the Bio, Bioware, the company that was extraordinarily known for lengthy RPGs with great single player content and uh, dialogue choices, made Anthem. Okay, so. I definitely did not intend this, but I am definitely wearing my Mass Effect hoodie right now. So, <laughs> FYI. Uh, so, Anthem, if you are unaware, has had a rough go of it. Yeah, uh, oh boy. Their roadmap kind of fell apart when they went, oh God, the game is not in like a good a good place for people. People are not enjoying it. We need to try and make it fun because it wa- apparently wasn't fun out the gate and it wasn't re- like the it flying was fun is good. for an hour. The flying, is, I still say the flying is real good. I liked doing that. Uh, but yeah, overall, like the gunplay and the powers weren't substantial enough to and like the world kind of left a lot to be desired uh and so just around a year after release they have come out and said yeah we we heard you uh it's 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 no good after a year of sparse updates barely you know not really adhering to their roadmap they're working on rebuilding anthem they're going to kind of go quiet. They've got like, they're going to repeat the content from the last year uh, popping up and while they try and recruit, like retool the game into something newer and better, I guess. I, who knows what that's actually going to look like. There have been rumors about this for a while. Thoughts on this, anyone? I don't know if that's going to be enough to pull anyone back to Anthem or pull in anyone new. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I I mean, if they do something like like, you know, akin to Final Fantasy fourteen, where they completely rehaul it and make it a really good game, I might consider picking it up. But I feel like there, it, it, there's so many people who are huge uh, fans of Bioware that are just like, I don't know, this isn't interesting to me at all. Yeah, but it's just the point I was making about them being the storied RPG narrative choice developer. Right. It's like, yeah, I love the Bioware RPGs. Like, I even really liked uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which apparently has split people. But like, right. Anthem like, had zero I, appeal to me. I I straight up bought uh, Mass Effect Andromeda um, at launch. Like, yeah. that's where I was at. Like, even with all that controversy, I was like, oh well, I still want to play this, and and I ended up liking that game. But yeah. Anthem, was I was fine. just like, uh, 
I don't know. So breaking news, mm-hmm. I booted up Origin because I was like, I have a whole lot of thoughts that I shared in our group chat about how yeah. I think it's fucking stupid that we're even doing this with Anthem. But beyond that, uh, <laughs> because I mirror Jeff Gersman's thing of like, I, I am morbidly curious, even though I think it's dumb, I'm a little less interested in seeing what they do than he seemed to be. But I did boot up origin to see like, Oh, if Anthem's $5, maybe that's worth buying just to see what happens when they do relaunch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anthem is fifty nine ninety nine on origin. It is definitely it's also part of origin access premiere. Yeah. It, it, it goes on it sale goes on and sale. it's in it access premiere, but the probably, and I think it's just an origin access now. I think it's not even in premiere. Yeah. But still fifty nine ninety nine as the base purchase price for that. <laughs> if you want to play it without doing access, that's, Holy shit. That's, uh, that is a uh, lot to ask for Anthem. <laughs> because I suspect what they're going to do if they actually do. I actually am not confident that they'll finish this remake thing. I think there's every possibility that they're going to just in eight months quietly be like, we tried. Uh, and then Anthem will sail off into the sunset. I think um, that'll be the end of that studio. Yeah, it's it's definitely got to be well, the end of Bioware. I don't any mm. anything they try to build after that will be. I mean, I don't I don't agree because Dragon Age is Dragon Age. There's going to be a ton of people that buy Dragon Age studio. because it's called Dragon but Age. It, I, it, I'm not saying it'll be the end of Bioware. It'll oh, be the oh, end of that. Totally, that yes, studio. Yes, 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 that like, I agree. Is that on. Bioware Edmonton? Well, Edmonton yeah, Edmonton is making Dragon Age, so. Okay, so is that Bioware Montreal? Probably Montreal. Texas, uh, Austin what? is doing uh, old Old Republic still. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah, so um, I agree that that would be the end of Bioware Montreal, but I don't, I don't know what. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do to make Anthem, <laughs> like to fix it. Like, <laughs> I think Anthem was kind of an all hands on deck for Bioware, which didn't turn out the greatest. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, so like I, I think that studio will have to turn it around. I sus- and they'll they'll have to do what they can. And like it was very thin uh, on a lot of like content, like as far as like end game stuff. Like even cosmetics was very thin. Yeah, like it was just there wasn't a lot to the game. And like they, yeah, I don't know. Were I a gambling man, I would I would bet that they will try very hard to make Anthem work. There will be a minor, much smaller than it needs to be update that's like, hey, we did these things and that's all we got for now. Um, And then it'll just be kind of ambiguous as to what's going on with Anthem and people will continue to not really care and it'll just quietly go away. And Dragon Age 4 will come out and uh, it will be middling uh, and then that studio's name will become more of an imprint that EA puts on things at, rather than them having all of the staff. I and think like, it's been that way, honestly. Like, I think Bioware is has been a shell of what it used to be for quite some time. Totally, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, like, as I, but I just mean officially. Yeah, it'll stop being a staffed studio, and it'll be more like EA Studios make games, and maybe Casey Hudson is somewhere there, but EA Studios make games, and they slap the Bioware sticker on it if it's a game that is an RPG, basically. I mean, they tried that with... (laughs) What was it? Like, the studio that was making the new Command & Conquer, they're like, oh, this is Bioware whatever. Who was that? 
It was an yeah. existing studio no, that they know. slapped Bioware in front of. Oh yeah, they they just like, yeah they yeah do it's that. like branding rather but, than yeah, any sort of I don't know. It's, but is it even effective branding anymore now that like considering most yeah considering most people who are existing fans of Bioware know that it's not Bioware anymore. To me, it's no Nintendo seal of approval. <laughs> to me, the especially damning thing is I have started to go back and look at my opinions of previous Bioware games that were universally really liked and comparing them to other games that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to go like. <sighs> Are you one of these people who's reevaluating Mass Effect 2 and going, maybe the writing was just average. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm the saying. The story wasn't very, wasn't very good, but the character stuff. It was, it was the dark middle chapter. Yeah, yeah but uh, the characters in other games i like characters in other games more yeah so it's like maybe it was just i don't know i don't know but i don't know but you know what the the world of mass effect is is interesting and cool you know know how you know how they fix this is they make jade empire 2 hell yeah see i think jade empire is actually one of the things that stands up to scrutiny more than a lot of the other i agree i think jade empire is excellent It's a very interesting game. It's an interesting game from a gameplay and world design perspective. 100%. It's really good. I've kind of been meaning to replay it too, to be honest. Um, But like, even stuff like KOTOR, KOTOR's got some great stuff, but it's not as good as Baldur's Gate. (laughs) Like, I don't know. What is? Good point. But but, MDK2 was pretty good. You played a dog like there's certain with like four arms like four, like it's like six arms like he had extra arms he was great yeah i don't know i do like dragon age and dragon age origins and dragon age 2 a lot those are two things that still hold up to me when i think about like the 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 history of bioware and what games i still resonate with me um those games still do so yeah even though dragon age origins is has an exceedingly boring story. I mean, like it's not even a bad story. It's just like, <laughs> it's the Lord of the Rings. But, just... it's the, but it's the characters that make it stand out. Like I, I've played Dragon Age Origins multiple times and yeah. And I'm and like somebody I know is replaying it. So I'm at this point where I'm like, Oh, should I replay Dragon Age Origins? It's because I'm like, I just want to hang out with my friends again. And it's in particular, it's because of the characters for me, it's because the characters stories more than it is like it's Morgan's story. Morgan's story is so much more interesting than the main plot of Dragon Age Origins. Like That's what's happening with her. It is, but it's not good <laughs> in my opinion. That's most games as a trend. I don't like it. Well, I think we could have really good core stories and really good character stories for airing it's possible. Dirty can, laundry. I, on, I don't know. If we're airing dirty laundry on stories, there's never been a good story in an Elder Scrolls game. Uh, that's true. <laughs> like that, the, that is very the, much about all the side quests, but no, nothing in an elder scrolls game is that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, let's close all these oblivion gates. Yeah. The, the, well, that's not really story. That's just a bad gameplay segment. That's the core story of, of oblivion. But, Have you played it? Yeah. Like, well, when it came out, Oh, it's not, I mean, there is more stuff going on than let's close all the oblivion gates. Yeah. But I, I am, uh, um, 
so yeah. much of Elder Scrolls, what makes the stories in Elder Scrolls enjoyable is the lore that backs them up. If you don't care about it, Cats like, of Skyrim. As someone who played them all <laughs> leading up to it, when oh. the Oblivion stuff was happening, I was like, holy shit, this is wild because this god is doing this. And oh my god, the Amulet of Kings. And oh shit, because I knew what all that stuff was coming in. Do you- so without that context the the plotting of those games is not very good do you Morrowind has a pretty good fucking plot. nerd <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. do you think in exactly. in somewhere in is it tamriel is that the elder scrolls world yeah do you think somewhere yeah, do you think they have malls with kiosks where you can get like cats of skyrim so it's like just a calendar with khajiit like you know how you can get those calendars in those mall kiosks of random bullshit like yeah except they're like pornographic Oh, so it's like a calendar, a 365 count, like tear a page away a day of just like naked cats. Yeah, of naked Khajiit. All right. Khajiit has wares if you have coin. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Or Khajiit has no wares if you have coin, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Oh, God. Anyways. Uh, all right, anything. well. Yeah. Uh, well, right, yeah. Uh, speaking of... <laughs> Of games, yep. <laughs> uh, we're moving on to uh, oh awards, award shows. Uh, <laughs> Dice is happening. It's happened. Uh, Dice. Well, yeah, it the happened. Uh, the they, it, and the game of the they, year was. I didn't even look. Some I'm, shenanigans. Uh, hold on. So yeah, they gave out they gave out a lot of awards. Dice. Dice is the digital interactive consumer entertainment expo. I don't know. I don't it's, know. What Dice it's a is. part of GDC. Yeah, uh, but it takes place in a different place, doesn't it? Uh, it does. It takes place in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, so Dice awarded their game of the year in the running was I believe these were in the running: Outer Wilds, Disco Elysium, Death Stranding, Control, and Untitled Goose Game. And the winner was winner of Dice's game of the year, Untitled Goose Game, which is a profoundly stupid choice in my opinion. And <laughs> yeah, I kind of love it. I, I mean, I don't understand. It's, it, it's a fine game. It's and a fun. fine game. Like it's, but, I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to denigrate goose game, but it's not no. like the game of the year. <laughs> like looking at that list, I'm <laughs> like, I don't uh, understand. Like, I don't, I, I don't either. Like maybe it's the uh, only one that all of the, the panelists that were part of it got through. <laughs> the only one they all played yeah. i don't know yeah uh like it's fine it's it's well made for what it is like outer wilds and disco elysium are right there yep. it's a non-violent hitman which hitman is extremely good so yeah mm, it's it's not as good as hitman nope uh, <laughs> you can't throw a can of beans did hitman did hitman win a dice award i don't think it did it should have uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have that, any thoughts other than it's the, it's a bizarre choice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, truly, good for Untitled Goose. I mean, I'm, it's not like I want bad things to happen to untitled goose game. No, and it's, it's yeah. a good game. It's really but, cool for the developers of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, absolutely. Congratulations to house house, uh, for picking up game of the year at dice. <laughs> yeah. Just, I am is so conf- I am baffled. But, yeah. Um, yep. And Control once won a bunch of awards. Don't know. We can't go down this road. <laughs> Sorry, what? Uh, I wasn't before. listening. What? What was that? Uh, thank God. Uh, no, uh, we're just getting to our last news oh, story. Uh, GeForce Now launched last week or before our last episode. Um, yep. And since then, 
Blizzard and Activision pulled all their games from GeForce Now. Yeah. And said, no, you can't play these. Activision and sucks G- so bad. And GeForce was, or NVIDIA was like, what? Yeah. Uh, so it turns out there was, I guess, some, uh, quote, misunderstanding. Sure. Uh, according to NVIDIA. In a statement they shared, NVIDIA said, Activision Blizzard has been a fantastic partner during the GeForce Now beta, which we took to include the free trial period for our founders membership. Recognizing the misunderstanding, we removed their games from our service with the hope we can work with them to re-enable these and more in the future. So they'll theoretically come back, but it sounds like they were only supposed to be like Blizzard Activision was like, our games will be part of the trial is like the beta thing. But as soon as you have a real service, get us off of there. Well, they probably want money, right? Like, it's probably like if you're going to stream our games, you got to give us a cut. Which Even is though stupid, people already bought the games, they bought the games. It's no, it's no impact on Blizzard or Activision. Like they have no reason to. Yeah, they, yeah, they probably want to cut. Yeah, but they they have no claim. To what better cut. What better way to to squeeze revenue out of a thing than by making someone pay for something that doesn't actually cost you anything to produce mm-hmm. at this point? Because you've already spent the money. Yeah, it's weird. You know, like. Yep. It's it's yep. bullshit and, and stupid as hell. It's so it, wild because like <laughs> they're riding on like probably the best monetized Call of Duty game that they've ever made mm-hmm. and still doing and like it's like working. I saw some reports that like they're it's they're making way more off of the model that they have from Modern Warfare than they have from like season pass. Excuse me, like map pack stuff in the past. Yeah. And yet like they can't look at that example and say like, maybe we should just be better about the way that we do things and be more consumer friendly. And instead it's like, actually fuck consumers. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, it's, you could say that about most companies. It's like, maybe we should be consumer friendly. Uh, n- nah. Yeah. The, I feel like though, when, if you look at somebody like Ubisoft, mm. they like actually learn from the things that work, <laughs> you know, they try. Whereas, Activision's just like, we're going to suck forever no matter what. That's also that's not it. new. That's how they killed Tony Hawk series and Guitar Hero and all those other ones. I know. But like, the, uh, uh, the thing I've also heard, which seems somewhat plausible, is the fact that like a lot of Activision stuff is moving over to Google Cloud in terms of just like their infrastructure. Like they're hosting all of their servers there. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're just moving over to Google Cloud. And maybe people are saying like, oh, they're getting in bed with Google. So maybe a lot of Stadia stuff will happen. And then like, Google's like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be on GeForce now. This story I'm reading with comment from it, it just says the company opted to remove their games in anticipation of a commercial agreement with NVIDIA. So it sounds like they just want they want a cut. Of if the I were NVIDIA, I would be like, good day to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to say like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot. We have more games than the other services will be streaming right People now. People can play so, like yeah. their whole Steam library eventually, in theory, at some point. Yeah, like so, I, I, I'm still not sure why you can't just play anything you own, but uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not sure either because I, I was able able to make that work, but it seems yeah. like they've kind of patched out the way I was able to do that. So <laughs> um, the I don't know. Like, let's say we make a game, release it, it goes through a publisher. Do you have to pay a licensing fee? To Microsoft, if you're on the Windows platform, because like this is basically a platform, right? Like it's more so than like it's not its own game store. Uh, 
it's using it's leveraging existing game stores. So, like if you're on Steam, do you have to give Microsoft a cut? Exactly, or because or, you're running on or Windows, Mac right? OS, like 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 Apple. I don't. I don't. Apple, I think you do if you're making your product available through the App Store, but, but not on that you do not if you're on Steam, your product probably. Steam. Yeah, like, which yeah. and so like why th- why would they want to have to pay Nvidia for that? I think a better example, frankly, is um, I shouldn't say a better example, a different example, because that example is is yes, but a different example is um, there's tons of virtual desktop software out there where you can access. Mm-hmm your desktop yeah. and you could launch anything on your desktop when you use that software is the answer that, cause like I could go buy virtual desktop software and play modern warfare with it right now. It would not be good. No, the, it wouldn't be good. see on that stuff is it, not. No, 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 of course. But, but it, it, it is, it's dumb yeah. to me that since GeForce now is essentially doing the same thing. Yeah. Like I get it. If you're, if they're using a games, specific games in their marketing, it is a little weird to say like play games like modern warfare in an email when you're not like, there's not some kind of agreement and partnership going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're just saying like, play your games through our service, I don't know. It's dumb. Yeah. In my uh, opinion. It, yeah. It's if the whole idea behind GeForce now is play your games that you own. Why do I have to, why can Blizzard just go, no, you can't play these games. And it's fine like, if it's like they don't want it in the in the GeForce Now interface. Like, I think it's fine for any developer to be like, mm, let's if you're going to put us in your like little storefront interface thing where you can just tab through games and pick one. That's one thing to say, like, well, you're you're placing our box art on your storefront, basically. And that's not a storefront even, but you're putting your box art on your digital shelf or whatever. But if it's like steam or something where, which is where it seems like they want to go, where it's like, here's everything you have installed, just play something. It's mm-hmm. that seems if they're like just giving you a virtual desktop, that's low latency to, with games in yeah. mind, then just everything should be available. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Activision blizzard shout outs to Bobby Kotick and, uh, Jay Allen Brack, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, Space Ghost, hell of a show. Titans of the uh, industry. <laughs> uh, so thankfully, they do not have Titanfall. <laughs> but uh, we'd never see it then. Um, but now with that, we can move on to some Twitter questions. Yeah. Which, which you guys missed last week, apparently. We, we, uh, yeah, uh, I, I did a goof. Uh, you weren't here to keep us in line, Alex. As we were signing uh, off, I was like, oh, we didn't do questions. I, and then yeah, I, was I like, had I don't want to do questions at this point, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> we're already running a little long, but, uh, yeah. we, you know, we, uh, we owe it to our, our dedicated listeners to uh, deliver on these questions. So, first, with our, the old missed question, uh, Super GG Radio on Twitter asks, favorite fishing mechanic in a game? Ooh. Go. Um, I would say the Fire Emblem Three Houses one was approachable and boring, but it worked, which is what you need for fishing. Uh, <laughs> Sega bass fishing with the uh, the, ro- the controller. Yeah, so that's my the, answer the as well. Controller. Sega bass dot fishing. I know this might be controversial, but I do like the fishing in Stardew Valley. Yeah, 
I like. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember. I don't know if I like it. I remember the fishing at the start of Twilight Princess mm. was like you have to do some fishing yeah. as like part of the tutorial, and it's like real iffy. Like I had trouble with it. I remember getting stuck because of the fishing. The fishing in near right. Automata, not original near, but in Automata is inconsequential. You push one button, so that one's pretty good. It's not a JRPG without yeah. it. And it doesn't the don't you do like the fishing from the drone kind of like that's where the like, pole yeah, comes out so. of or whatever so. the line casts out of the drone. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, yeah. All right. I've been recently considering. Um, uh, fishing sim world pro tour is on xbox game pass of course you are but from what i've seen that's not the thing you want is dovetail games euro fishing <laughs> but even that has mixed reviews right now so i don't know oh i am God. looking for a fishing simulator but I'm, it seems like there's not a clear front runner right now since since Fishing Sim Pro World Tour or whatever the fuck did, it's called. Did you? Um, did you? Ever, is on Game Pass. I might just install did that. Did you ever play? Uh, what was it called? Wii Fishing Resort. No, I only play simulators. I don't play our like. <laughs> no. Sorry. So Bass Hunter six <laughs> Bass Hunter sixty four was your your. Y'all job. are r- real lucky that uh, I didn't go do a deep dive on Train Sim World. Deep dive. Because uh, I have been, I have been playing some train sim worlds <laughs> that I could have oh talked about. Have. <laughs> to quote Andre, come to Japan. We can, uh, we can go to the arcade and you can play in the arcade train simulators. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Sadly, train sim world doesn't work with Rail Driver, which is the peripheral attachment that you can purchase that gives you full train controls. Uh, Thanks, for, but I don't. Do you do like? Do you do gestures those. while you're checking? True. All the uh, all the Japanese train drivers like gesture That's like so every great. time they do That's something. So good to like because apparently it helps them remember. Like okay, I'm checking the time and I like point forward and I point up and I like do a thing. I, I would, pull a lever. I would love to drive trains so much <laughs> for a living. If it was like a good living, unfortunately here it's not really. But nope. Sounds like it sucks. Uh, all right. Well, next question from Alex Arona from Super GG Radio, uh, a.k.a. Slander Nib- <laughs> Slander and Libel. I always think it's Slander Nibble, but it's Slander and Libel. Slander Nipples. Uh, wow. Wow. Hmm. Uh, what long lost JRPG needs a remake? Some of the best ones are from the SNES and PS one days. Second question. What makes an anime fighter? Is it dashes and super jumps or strictly anime? Okay. So first question one, what long lost our JRPG needs a remake? Legend of they're Dragoon. all bad. <laughs> Legend of Dragoon. They're um, bad. Actually, Legend of Dragoon's all right. <laughs> can't really think of or final fantasy 8 yeah, I, I want like final fantasy i want a 8, big budget yeah. final fantasy 8 final remake. Fantasy 8's good yeah final fantasy but it's, it's not for You're it's right. not long lost nor forgotten yeah see that's the no, thing yeah. is that like long lost forgotten like i feel like parasite eve is that a <laughs> hell yeah parasite, parasite eve. is awesome i've never played it i just know the name. yeah it's, it's a, a bad game. game but it's such a cool idea they dark should make, cloud they should make that. i i mean i i really like jrpgs so i'd be uh, like I'm still in my JRPG, like still going strong with that. So I'd be interested to see if anybody could bring back some older series. And I, 
I would yeah. be interested. Chrono Cross. How about Legend of Lagaya? I don't know if any of you guys played that. No idea what that is. is. I know what it is, but I have I know of it. Half these I games, I'm it. just saying a name. Uh, I, don't, Sudoku, I don't know anything about Sudoku. the game. <laughs> Suikoden 2. Not Sudoku. Sudoku is not a JRPG. Suikoden 2. A JRPG two. where the battles are Sudoku. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I think, like, I think, so I, I was kind of kidding when I said they're all bad. Obviously, I don't think they're all bad. But I think that, like, the I don't, I don't want more remakes. Yeah. If the game's readily available, reimagining. See, that's the thing, though. Is like I have a ton of ports I want, though they're not necessarily um, like uh, you, you know they're not. Uh, un- they're not easy to play. You can't get to them, right? Well, and it's also they're not unknown. So, like, like uh, if you guys have been listening to this, you know I I love the Mario RPG. So, like Paper Mario to uh, port to Switch, like that's what I want. Totally, but I don't that's necessarily cool. need it to be remade. Because all I, games should be playable on everything. Yeah. And I don't like, mean that in like a jerk way. I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. I, but, uh, but also like for uh, Tales of Symphonia to switch. But like, I still think like a lot of the thing about a lot of RPGs in particular um, is a lot of them really do hold up, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. So if that's kind of my point. So make them more playable because because I mean, like, I do think that a lot of um, RPGs. Like that's a genre that has generally held up pretty well. Yeah. So if you could port everything, then like I would, if you were like it. Yoko Taro is remaking Final Fantasy VIII, I would be like, God damn it! Oh I want to see what Yoko Taro makes yeah. out, like what his new thing is. I don't want to see him remake Final Fantasy VIII. I want to see him make something else. But yeah. I, but I, I do think that I'll, it's great mm, that uh, I want Yoko Taro's Final Fantasy VIII now. I want to see Yoko uh, Taro's anything. Made in dreams, powered by Fuck. dreams. <laughs> Sorry, what are you saying, Elson? <laughs> oh, I just think that the I, I, I do think that they um I, I'm I'm just really happy that they have like the collection of mana, um the yeah. like Grandia yeah. collection. So like if they keep kept doing that with kind of older stuff like like the Suikoden collection, I've never played Suikoden, but I've always heard about it. I, I think that would be ideal to kind of Suikoden is super cool. Do do ports like that or do collections like that of RPGs. Yeah. Or maybe even if they did like some kind of sequel to something really old, like a thousand legend of Dragoon yeah. two, final fantasy eight to illusion of like illusion of Gaia two or something. I don't know. That'd be fun. Uh, what oh, was the man, second half kill for final fantasy eight? What, <laughs> uh, what uh, makes an anime fighter? It, is it dashes and super jumps or strictly I anime? anime? I think I think it's the pace. Like anime fighters are so fucking fast. Yeah, but I think, uh, I, I would agree. It's it's a speed like a blaze blue or like a Dragon Ball yeah. Fighters. It, it definitely is about the pace. But well, I guess I don't know because like I'm I'm I haven't mentioned this on the cast, but in the last week I've like I now. Grand Blue Fantasy Versus for some reason has become one of my most anticipated games of the year, which is dumb. Um, but I'm very excited about it after hearing more about it. Uh, that game actually doesn't, I mean, it moves fast compared to other video games, but it doesn't move as fast as like Guilty Gear or Dragon Ball. It's actually like much yeah. more like there's a lot of footsies and stuff in it. So it's, I don't know if it's necessarily, and I would call that game an anime fighter. But I don't I oh, I, th- I almost think yeah. it's it's made by Ark, isn't the, it? Yeah, yeah. I almost think it's the complexity of the characters more than anything. Like 
not that, that Roman cancels and V cancels. Yeah. And, not, not that, not that there's not a lot of depth and stuff like, um, another realm games and street fighter and stuff like that. But in anime fighters, the characters are like, this is this character's gimmick. Basically like the characters all seem to have like gimmicks mm-hmm. to some extent, but I guess maybe stands. that's less, I guess that's less true of dragon ball Z. So I don't know. Maybe that's I, off I mean, as well. All the, those characters have, I feel like every fighting game character has a gimmick. Yeah, but I guess when you play Mortal Kombat, it doesn't feel as some of them have gimmicks, but a lot Scorp- of them. Scorpion's got a got a thing that comes out of his hand. Uh, yeah, but but Sub Zero is the ice guy. Liu Kang does the bicycle kick. But but in practice, Striker has a gun. In practice, Raiden's, Raiden flies like Superman. I don't know. There's something about like this character. It's this character does charge attacks, and this character is area control and stuff. That feels like something that's more. Whereas in Mortal Kombat, like, yes, he has a gimmick of, of frost stuff, but Sub-Zero has like area control moves, punish moves, initiation moves. Like they're all all the characters are a little more well-rounded in the way that you play them. Whereas with uh, anime fighters, it feels like the characters are designed to be played in specific ways. But I don't know. I'm also a noob to all this stuff. So this is like an outside perspective from what I've been like gathering, learning about the genre is dive kick an anime fighter. Uh, no, <laughs> I also think it's pretty easy to tell. I don't know what the unwritten rule is, but <laughs> nobody makes anime fighters that aren't anime fighters. Like nobody makes games, fighting games with anime art that aren't also fighting like anime fighters in terms of yeah. like mechanics. Well, they're all made by Arxis. Well, yes, <laughs> that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. But like even, even that, uh, under night, whatever yeah, it's called. Under night in birth EX. Yeah. Like that's an anime Baby fighter Mama. not made by Arxis. Do, do and, people consider like MVC to be anime fighter? I don't uh, know. Yeah. Some people do. I would say it's in that same wheelhouse. Mm. Uh, and that's not mm. all anime aesthetic no. because it's obviously drawing from a lot of different, art styles yeah. so yeah i i for my money it's like a fast fast pace um same here fast pace like dashes and like air dashes because and like, like super jumps gdfv not does not like have dash. air dashes no it doesn't so uh, so not not an anime fighter i think they're it's a fighter with anime but not an anime with yeah, it's fighter. also how you're inputting like combos and stuff like that. Like if you think about your Street Fighters, it's very based on the movement of your stick and like uh putting in the right inputs. And same with like MK and to an extent Tekken and stuff like that. And again, pacing, those are all slower. But then, That's true. You, then, That's a good then you get into like how you do combos in anime fighters, which is kind of like jamming on stuff in specific sequence and like kind of rhythm, like a, it's almost rhythm based in a way. And that yeah, part is uh, true about Grand Blue. Touch of death combos. <laughs> There's no touch of deaths, but uh, but it does like it has the special moves are all like Street Fighter motions, but but the combos are very much sequence based and yeah. like timing based. So, eh. uh, anime fighters are good. <laughs> I want to get into anime fighters. They're so hard. They're really I'm hard. Hoping this Grand Blue game is like a good entry point, and it seems like it might be. Is kill a kill if an anime fighter? Uh, it's. I think it has to be 2D. It. I don't think it has to be 2D, but like it's weird. It's it has to be good. Well, it's. 
<laughs> there's that, but also in some ways that feels more like a Dynasty Warriors game to me. Like I don't know why. Yeah, because it is because they have a lot of wave like wave based. Like you're fighting a bunch of like generic opponents. Yeah. So there we go. Kill a kill if is a Muso game. <laughs> Speaking of Muso games, apparently the first review of Persona 5 Scramble came out and it was it's apparently positive. So. I heard some people saying it's real good who played some of the yep. Japanese version. Nice. Good to hear that. Well, uh, if you want your question right uh, on the podcast. What about a Persona 1 remake? I Or 2. I like think I've that game holds up. I think you could go play Persona 1 right now and have a good time. I never have. I, never have. I don't know how to yeah. do it. It's on PSP no. and Vita. Uh, I... I, I think you could probably have a PSP. Play it on, you can play it on PS4, I think, too, because it's just a PS1 classic mm. on the store. Oh, interesting. Anyways, sorry to interrupt. It's good. It's a good game. People, if you, well, if you're if, about the origins of Persona, you should play Persona 1. If you want to have your question read on the air and answered, uh, you can tweet at us at Fix Podcasts. Uh, and, or if you just want to engage with us in any way on Twitter, at Fix Podcasts. You can find me, a.k.a. your girl's favorite award show, at Cool slaw, C O O L S L four W. That's a lie. Uh, at, oh yeah, oh yeah. Go ask her. Go wake her up. Ask her. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite hey, award show? What's, what's your What's your favorite award show? It's Andre. Her answer would be, I fucking hate award shows. <laughs> so it's so it's Andre. Yeah. No, I think that it's must same. be. Maybe she hates you. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, don't worry. Uh Alex, where can people find uh, you? I'm a millennial. That's Allison, out. where can people find you? Find me on Twitter at W R I T E R S E R E N Y T Y. And I'm also a millennial. Yep. Yep. Pat, where can people find you? Can you? Find me at PJC Plays. Interestingly, only one person on the cast lied in this outro segment. Oh. You can only ask three questions to discover who it is. <laughs> uh, all right. That is going to do it for episode 108 of Gaming Fix on February 15th, 2020. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk about more games. Probably no movies. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about Birds of Prey. I'm going to try to read a book, too. Hell yeah. Wow. Maybe not a whole book, but <laughs> some of a book. I'm a slow reader, okay? Look forward to Parasite 2 by, from Bong, Bong Joon-ho, Dreams. powered by Dreams. Yeah. Well, they're also doing an HBO series. I'm looking so forward it really to... is more Parasite. Really? Oh. Yeah. Bong, is, he's directing it. Oh, and like he's wow. super excited about it because there's stories that happen around the periphery of Parasite that sure. he oh. couldn't tell in the movie. So... so Parasite sure. 2 on HBO soundtrack by Periphery. All right. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everybody. It's been a it's been a fun time. Yeah. Yep. I need I need someone to clap with me at the end. Okay. Bye. Oh, Bye. We'll, we'll clap no, I mean like I mean like on. on, on, on time. Oh, yay. Yay. Standing O. It's all.